Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my neighbor. Good morning, July. Good morning. Music. Talk. Inspiration. In perspective. Your station. It's a refreshing lifestyle. City FM 97.3. The power of relevant radio. This is City 97.3. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise.
25 minutes past 6 Reverend Edwin Dotson Leading the Bethel Revival Choir And ever and ever Tigby, Tigby Forever and ever Oh yes Hey Calypso style Gospel praise His mercy endures forever How long can your mercy endure? How long can your goodness last? How long does your benevolence last? He says for the Lord is good And his mercy endures From generation to generation Why don't you invest in that mercy? Why don't you invest in that graciousness? In that goodness? Eternal reward is a critical part of what we do. Don't just focus on what you will get now. Whether it's money or praise. Invest in that which thieves cannot break in and steal. In which moth and rust cannot destroy. Oh yes. Invest in that which transforms lives for an eternity. You are not a product for sale on the market. You are a seed to be sown in the sands of time to reap an eternal reward. Approach your profession, not from a transactional perspective, but from an investment perspective. It's not just how much they pay you. It's about becoming a seed that will blossom into a tree bearing many, many fruit. Oh, yes. That's the God model. Whatever he does will be forever. So it's not just success, it's significance. It must be something that goes beyond this generation. Take me, take me. Hey! This is the City Breakfast Show, 14th July. Business Sense brought to you by ADB. Get up to 80% of your next salary. We are at the middle of the month. It's a difficult time. We can sort you up with a quick one. So long as your salary goes through our account or through our bank, call us on 0243-273-369. Let's have a chat about ADB's Payday Plus. We're starting the show with a closer look at the headlines. It's called the Newspaper Review. Or better still, the News Review. Because these days the news is not on paper. (laughs) Oh yes. Starting in a few minutes time, brought to you by Total Quartz. The latest addition to the Total Energy uh, Engine Oil family. Specially conditioned and developed for the latest generation engine. Delivers excellent protection. It increases your oil change interval, reduces your fuel consumption. Total quads keep your engine younger for longer. And don't forget to update your records with your Ghana card with Fidelity Bank either on our website, fidelitybank.com.gh. Or download the app. It takes only a few minutes. Call 0800-003355. Fidelity Bank believe with us.
Breakfast City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. On a busy, 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 busy morning today. Lots of things happening. Eastern Regional Charles is asking the GS to close down the schools if the food isn't forthcoming. That was in the news this morning. Well, we don't know. They, they, they spoke on City Breakfast News this morning, and they're basically saying, and this is Charles of the whole Eastern Region, that if you guys can't get us the food, just close down the schools until you can organize and sort yourself out. Yes, so I think consequence of what we've done is now, I think some of the teachers are speaking more forthrightly. Buffer Talk is also telling us their problems. Parliament is also investigating. Today I have two, two important interviews. I was speaking to the IMF country uh, resident rep. That's around 8 o'clock to find out. You know, yesterday the IMF issued a statement that they finished the first meeting with British government. standard wedding. Yes, so basically they've met, they've checked, compared notes and they're going to come back. Probably going to take another, I don't know, we'll see. So he'll join us to talk about what they are thinking because we've been speaking to our own officials for a while now. But before that, I'll speak to an economist to just tell me what is at stake and basically 
how we got here and where we are going to live. So all of this on the show this morning. So yeah, 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 it's very important. And then inflation, we had led new inflation. High, 20, 19 year high. So basically, you can say thirty percent, twenty nine point eight percent inflation. And the usual suspects, transportation, food, still doing their dirty work. Leading the way. I'm telling you, we'll probably give you some uh, quick highlights of the inflation figure as well. But I'm sure you already know what's happening with inflation. Anyway, so it's a very economic morning on the show today. And we're so also sitting on the fence watching us. Yes, quietly. so PRC has <laughs> sort of singing. deferred the the announcement. They are just watching us. No, but I think that's a very wise thing to do because. But eventually. Yeah, but the timing is critical because if food prices have gone up, transport fares have gone up, some fuel prices have already gone up. You don't want to add utilities at this time. You want to wait. Yeah, so they are sitting on the fence watching. Maybe the cola should come first. <laughs> when the cola comes, then they will also collect it back. Anyway, so send us your comment zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six. A busy, busy, busy morning. Good morning to Godfred and Kukui. Good morning, Bernard. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Kukui, Kukui a bit down. The economy is not is breaking you. Eh? That's one part of it. Uh, what else? This this demolition that took place. Oh, you've been thinking about it, yeah, eh? There's a there's a you know our colleague Fred Duho did a report. Went to look at some of the people who are now stranded. Yeah, this there's a fresh baby. Charlie. Like fresh yes, baby, and, and slept yes, under we a understand shed. we we don't necessarily want to support illegalities, yes. right? But once you've left people to settle mm. in a place, and you're going to remove them their shelter. Mm-hmm. Charlie, a, a fresh yeah, baby. Yeah, that, that's... Don't we have any kind of shelter or welfare or help? Yeah, isn't there any people? home isn't they can go to? Isn't there anywhere they can go to except being at the mercy of the elements? And there were quite a lot of people sleeping under that thing. Mm. Uh, you know, two things. The, what I understand from the people who did the demolition is that this is for the people's own good because it's very dangerous. Ag- agreed. So we understand that. Agreed. And they also said they went there many times to tell them but I still understand your point. So you can you can you can have all of that, yes. but there should be some system where, as, so, so, as once you move people from that type of shelter, particularly the vulnerable, you can't have a, 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 a newborn baby sleep it's under a shed under, in a can. No, that's not right. It's not right. You know, I just want to urge. I know this may not be in a remit. I feel the MP has been very uh, proactive. Maybe she she hasn't seen these images, so maybe she should go there and try and see what she can do churches around the place right if you can give the people some per- temporary thing Maybe. whilst there's an arrangement yeah. to move them to a more permanent place i think we should show a bit of our humanness this is not joking what's happening with our social protection ministry well we don't have a functioning social welfare that's system that's a problem that is the, that's that's the a issue problem. and no one really seems to want to address that problem what we have in ghana is family welfare you know sometimes you need to think about the way we live in ghana if you are hot you call relatives that's so the concept of social welfare, I don't even think we even understand it. So, probably call some cousin, call some nephew somewhere, a relative from the same village, perch for a few days. I'm just saying, organizations around, I think churches around, look, do a soup kitchen, ask the people to come and eat, put some of them at a certain place, and then eventually work with the MP to move them. That's what leadership is, alright? So, I'm, I'm saying, Nojolu has lots of different communities around. Let's go and help them because this is really serious. It's a humanitarian crisis. Where are they going to sleep? Where are they going to do number one and two? You know, how are they going to bath? And you know, it's and this is not the only place. There have been demolitions that have been done, and a lot of times they blame the media for not supporting. You see, people need to understand the nuance of our work. The fact that we highlight what has gone wrong doesn't mean we are saying you are, you did something wrong. No. And the fact that you you demol you demolished 
based on what is legally right doesn't mean you went about it the right way okay so almost always when people talk about moving people from illegal places the first thing they say is that oh you journalists you come and report why shouldn't we report our job is to let people see what's happening if what you are doing is good why shouldn't people see it you know so people need to understand that for us we've shine light somebody says sun shine sunlight is the best disinfectant Put the thing in the media so that if you are proud of what you are doing, let everybody see it. If you are not proud of it, then work with people to mitigate the effects of what you do. Don't turn around and blame the media for highlighting the negative effects of what you wanted to do right. Our work is not to make you feel good. Our our work is to make you see what is right. So people should understand. And it is not right to have hundreds of people living near a train shack under some roof. With It's terrible. Yeah. And you it's know? a failure or it's a systemic failure because Absolutely. it shouldn't have grown that big anyway. Somebody yeah. dropped the ball. It ended up growing to the extent that it yeah. did. Now the demolition has happened. I'm with sure, this I'm sure problems. Fred Duho and the colleagues on the Breakfast Daily team will show more images this morning. Yeah. So if you're, if you're wondering what we're talking about, tune into the Breakfast Daily 7.30 this morning. You will see for yourself what happened at the Jaulu area. I'm sure you hear from Grico. I'm sure you hear from the MP. Eventually we have to resolve the matter. Let's start with the graphic. Go Fred. Good morning to the Minister of the Gender and Social Protection Ministry. Mm. <laughs> Daily Graphic, whichever one that one is. Okay. <laughs> Front page of the Daily Graphic. All right. IMF mm. commits to Ghana mm. after fact-finding mission. All right. Reduce ministers to 19. Yeah. Chairman Sabos to advocates. Oh! You haven't heard that. Oh! You've been sleeping on us on rock. Oh! <laughs> Buffer stock needs a hundred million Ghana cities to avert mm. senior high school food crisis, mm-hmm. and Volta region is ready for investors, says the minister. Ambassador plenty potential. Okay, the Ghanaian Times from page 17.5 million Ghana cities, Indian hemp nabbed in hope. Mm-hmm. A joint security operation intercepted over 17,000 slabs of the suspected substance. Also, showdown on Saturday as MPP goes to the polls to elect national executives and collaborate with scout groups to inculcate discipline, volunteerism, and leadership in the youth. The president directs gender ministry. I was a boy scout. You were? Oh, yes. Well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So they stole the why do, you, why, do you think, why do you think I'm so disciplined? I, I, I yeah, why do you think we are so disciplined? I would love for my boys to be boy scouts, actually. I think it's good for teaching. Be prepared. Oh, that's your... That's your... They'll teach you how to do and not. Yes. So do you go camping and all of that? I'll explain all later. Don't worry. I went for a camp at Insawam City Chrome when I was in class five. Boy scout camp. We slept in tents. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. I don't oh, know yeah, if yeah. it's still active these yeah, days. I hope it is. Deep, be if prepared. Boy Scouts, let us know if you're yeah. still active. Front page of the Uncle. I love the Uncle Nisbet. They, they are doing very well. Yes, I love yeah, the they are getting good stories. Hungry senior high school students breaking into chop boxes for food. <laughs> Schools using margarine as cooking oil risk shutdown. There's a nice photo of the education minister sharing bread. At the dining hall. With, with the boys stuff. eyeing the yeah. margarine. Yeah, but it's an old photo. Okay, sure. that's an old picture. Yes. Right. Auditor General accused of enhancing corruption. Apax says it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Fresh trouble brews over voters register. All right. Commander Sugar Factory begins full operation in July. Amen. The Chronicle front page. Bombshell. No more aid to partners. Mm-hmm. The Netherlands ambassador drops hint mm-hmm. at workshop in Accra. Mm-hmm. Also, register your land legally to avoid future implications. The yes. Lands Ministry is cautioning everyone. Yes. I'll win NPP Vice Chair. Omari Wadi says. And okay. um, John 13, 7. Mm-hmm. Jesus answered him, what, I am, what I'm doing you do not understand now. But afterward... <laughs> 
you will understand. <laughs> From page of the Daybreak newspaper, it's the end of an era, Bernard. Kwesi Ufori bids farewell to after oh, 34 years of service. Oh, okay. C.O.P. Kwesi Ufori. Mm. We'll have a time to tell his stories. Mm. Inflation rec- uh, hits 29%. Power play at FC. Minister CEO snub Nana's directive, and we're talking about the forestry commission here. All right. The all new right. crusading guide front page. Government explores full value of lithium, says the land's minister. And Arise Ghana condemns police brutalities on demonstrators. Also, NPP aspirant hot over Agenda 111 contract. And Frimpong Kudya tipped for NPP general secretary. I have two business papers in front of me, Bernard. The BNFC's front page says industry anxious of tariff-induced inflation as PURC readies mm. to announce new rates. Fuel price hikes keep inflation high at 29%. That is the dominant story on all the front page of the business papers. The business analyst also has Ghana's debt worsening mm-hmm. following government's inability to pay contractors all and right. also reduce e-levy charge rate, mm-hmm. government urged. And the business finder front page will retain full value of lithium and other green minerals, says Abujinapo. Don't turn state lands into slums, Deputy Minister warns encroachers, and spread good news about the capital market. That's coming from reps of the stock exchange. Let's move online, citynewsroom.com. Eastern Region Charles considers school closures over food shortages. Mm. Also, majority of Ghanaians believe Hilevi is a bad idea. Afrobarometer survey, over 70% think so. Doctors, other health workers threaten to join COLA strike. Meanwhile, IMF team concludes mission, reaffirms commitment to support Ghana. Now, City Business News introduced legislation to force... Uh, actually, introducing legislation to force banks to lend is not the way to go. The bankers are advising government. And then IEA suggests hybrid approach to tackling rising inflation rate. Meanwhile, as I said, Ghana's inflation is now close to 30%. The figure for June is 29.8. Now, myjoinline.com is talking about decentralizing the management of food supplies to senior high schools. This is from Professor Ivan Adimensa. Meanwhile, cut down on number of ministers. Majority leaders suggest to executive. Maybe they should start with his ministry. That would be a leadership example. I agree with him. I'm not being cynical at all. Uh, doctors, nurses, and other health workers to withdraw services over cola. Meanwhile, university senior staff have also declared a nationwide strike. Meanwhile, and then also in Parliament, Privileges Committee pardons Henry Quarte and Kennedy Japon as Adras Afo's fate hangs in the balance. Star FM is leading with Eastern Region. A woman, 37, with twins, gives best to quintuplets. So that's five at once. Meanwhile, CSO's call on IMF to support debt cancellation for Ghana. And then uh, JB's murder, blood in accused T-shirt was 100% positive after DNA, according to investigator. And then Ghana News Agency's focus this morning is on uh, year-on-year inflation rate accelerates to 29.8%. Um, IMF negotiations will not affect social intervention programs, according to a minister. And those are the lead stories. Sri Lankan PM tells military to restore order. This is happening in Sri Lanka. And... Um, there's a video of how the storming of the PM's office unfolded. Crazy, crazy scenes from that part of the world. Senior high school again? Yes, please. Yes, okay. please. Yes, so, please. buffer stock uh-huh. needs 100 million Ghana cities to have avert food crisis. That's on page 16 uh-huh. of the daily graphic and the story. 
mm. says that the National Food Puffer Stock Company Limited needs about 100 million Ghana cities to stabilize the current food situation in senior high schools across the country. Mm. The money is required to defray part of the 400 million Ghana cities the company owes food suppliers. The debt dates back to the last academic year. Mm-hmm. Sources at the company who made this known to the Daily Graphic yesterday said the last time the Ministry of Education released 200 million Ghana cities, the entire amount was not given to the company for the payment of suppliers. They said some of the money went into the payment of textbooks and uniforms, while part also went to the schools for the purchase of items such as LPG gas to cook meals for students. Mm. Quote, what is happening has to do with liquidity. Mm-hmm. We are owing the suppliers and that is why they are not supplying. Mm-hmm. We will not need anything less than 100 million Ghana cities to stabilize the situation in the schools. Mm-hmm. However, the sources added that the company had as of last month, they've been able to mobilize 60,000 bags of rice and 10,000 bags of sugar for distribution to the schools. That's information you've provided uh, already. Mm-hmm. Now, with regards to the situation in the schools, the Daily Graphic last Friday reported that some schools, uh, some school heads and parents were making frantic efforts to get authorities and members of the public to assist with food items mm-hmm. to help feed students in public second cycle schools. Now, if you go to the Anchor newspaper... Lots of related yes, stories. Yes, they have eh? a related Students story. are breaking into top boxes. Yes, and apparently this is coming from West Girl Senior High School. Oh, how? How? Yes, yes, that can't yes, be yes. true. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. And that is why they are very worried. This because it's unlike this is not gay girls to be breaking into <laughs> choboxes. But hunger, hunger. <laughs> uh, come. Are you sure? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm telling you what's in the story. The <laughs> I'm telling you what you see. <laughs> really? Okay, yes. Is that why you're wearing a green and yellow uh, batakari in, so- in solidarity with your gay sister? I'm just reading. <laughs> okay, let's get <laughs> on this. It says, however, unple- it says that unpleasant reports intercepted by the uncle indicate that some students haven't stayed for weeks without proper meals are now stealing food oh, from oh, their mates. Oh, 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 this information oh, oh. was divulged by an anonymous parent who told journalists his ward informed him about the unfortunate development. The unfortunate incident allegedly happened at the Wesley Girls Senior High School, uh, one of grade A schools in Cape Coast. Now, they also talk about the infancipium situation. Now, according to one parent, mm-hmm. uh, he has had to hire a caterer. Personal? To cook, yes, to cook for his child twice a day at a fee. And be sending to the school? Sending to the school. Yeah, because he says he's not going to allow again. Homard every yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. And then, of course, they make reference to your the storekeeper's interview on uh, on the breakfast show from... Okay, uh, two, two related stories. Professor Adam Esa is asking us to decentralize management of food supplies. This was also said by Angel Carbono. But John Lyons reporting, a former VC of Legon, Professor Adam Esa has urged government to once again decentralize the management of food supplies to SHSs across the country. He argued that prior to the centralization of the management of food supplies... As a result of free SHS, the heads of schools were doing a yeoman's work ensuring that students were well catered for. Then Eastern Region Heads of Schools, CHAS, mm. is asking that the schools will just be closed down while we look for a solution to the problem. In a statement, they said that the food shortages for the past two years, they've been so two years old, they've been struggling with reduced weights of food item supplies. Mm-hmm. Quote, suppliers of food items for some time now have been supplying underweight items to the school. An example is 100 kilograms of maize has been reduced to 50 or 60, the group noted in a statement. It also complained about arrears in schools because of the erratic release of funds meant for the perishable goods. Since 2021, funds meant for recurrent expenses have been released once. By extension, recurrent ex- funds in arrears since 2021 and six months in 2022. They also talk about other things and they're basically saying the school should be closed now whilst we figure out all of this that happens. Well, back to strike action. So the Senior Staff Association of University of Ghana or universities in Ghana have embarked mm. on an industrial strike. Mm-hmm. They are joining other labor unions that have embarked on strike to demand 20% cost of living allowance or mm. COLA. Mm-hmm. The association has complained of failure by some public university managements to respect and implement the Ghana Tertiary Education 
Education Commission's directive on promotion mm-hmm. and the failure to pay accrued interest on Tier 2 pension. Mm-hmm. Now, the national chairman of SAWOG, Mr. Isaac Donko, also mm-hmm. declaring the strike action in Accra, said the group was worried about the failure to regularize the appointment of casual and temporary right. staff who have worked for six years, failure to extend the award of interim market premium, and the failure to pay some generic allowances. Now, he also said that he believes that the posture of the CEO of the Fair Wages and Salaries Commission, Mr. Benjamin Arthur, is an affront to the position he occupies as a public officer Eish. who preaches equity but practices none. Mm. He says they are daring him Eish. to block their salaries because apparently Mr. Arthur threatened to block their salaries mm. if they go on strike. He says mm. we are daring him we heard on that. his claim. Yeah. Final one on this. Good. Doctors and other health workers have also threatened to join the COLA strike. So that's, that's by the way. Yes, that's uh, from August 1. Well, the inflation for June, Bernard, has hit 29%. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes it to all the front pages of the business papers, but I'm looking at the business analyst mm-hmm. and they say that the national year-on-year inflation for June 2022 currently stands at 29%, mm-hmm. comparing June 2020 rate to, June 2022 rate to that of June 2021, the general price level increased by 29%, a figure higher than what was recorded in June 2021, which stood at 7.8%. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to page 5 of the same paper, they are talking about government debt. But before that, the BNFT's angle is that fewer price hikes have kept inflation high. Mm. So they, they believe the main driver is fuel, which is why transportation, think about it, transportation, um, what do you call it, drive in pushing the fuel price, uh, in, in pushing inflation high has been the lead, it's like the lead driver. Mm. And then housing and the others follow in tow. Yeah, well, the Ghana Chamber of Contractors, they mm-hmm. have also bemoaned the government's continuous delay in the payment of uh, contractors, stressing that the development was further worsening the country's debt situation. Mm-hmm. According to GCC, the government's non-payment of the country's debt continued to incur penalties. According to the CEO Emmanuel Cherry, mm-hmm. who made that observation, he spelled out that if a contractor has been given to a, if a contract mm-hmm. has been given to a contractor to execute, there are clauses in the contract that state that if you reach a certain percentage, you raise the certificate. That's yeah. interim payment certificate for it to be honored. If the contractor raises the certificate before, this story came yesterday. If you didn't probably hear me, I read it. Imano Cherry was speaking to the media and he said yeah. that government desktop is worsened. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple more stories. E-Levy, Afrobarometer has a report that says mm-hmm. over 75% of Ghanaians say uh, E-Levy is a bad idea. Oh. Then there's Peter Corti saying so that... government should reduce the E-Levy charge. Right? Yes. Then there's also IMF has concluded their mission work here in Ghana. We'll be mm-hmm. speaking to the... Uh, country director shortly, but the IMF has reaffirmed that it's committed to Ghana and supporting our development. Uh, this follows the conclusion of their first visit. The discussions focus on improving what they call the fiscal balances in a sustainable way, protecting the vulnerable and the poor, ensuring credibility on the monetary policy and exchange rate regimes, preserving financial sector stability, and reforming and enhancing growth, etc., etc. We'll hear more later on when the interview comes up. Well, the Dutch ambassador is also speaking about the new trade and investment relationship that they're going to be having with us as opposed to aid. So people are shifting their position. Our development partners, so to speak, <laughs> development are now partners. Shift, you know. So the Dutch ambassador to Ghana, Jeroen Verhul, <laughs> has hinted that development assistance to dependent nations is declining uh, as most donor countries and development partners have shifted their focus to investments and business promotion. <laughs> According to him, the new shift is driven by the depletion of funds available for development aid, mm. as well as countries like Ghana becoming economic pros- economically prosperous. Huh? You will see that development aid for those countries <laughs> has reduced. Myself. My country, the Netherlands, is an example of that. We're phasing out development programs and we're moving more towards promoting trade and investment. Mm. Now, he was speaking at a two-day workshop for the validation and submission of civil society organizations. Mm. Um, he said that this aid depletion has been widely discussed as donor fatigue. 
So don't let that L- let's see. Let's see what he will say when we start adding value to our goods and also want to access their markets yes. and stop exporting raw cocoa beans mm. to them. We'll see whether they will say the same thing. Uh, I wanted to give you a quick story. Cut down number of ministers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have that story? Yeah, I have it. Yeah. Uh, now the, my, <laughs> the minister of parliamentary affairs, Sochi Mensabosu, is advocating a drastic cut in the number of ministers to nineteen. Mm. Quote: It is my contention that apart from regional ministers, the number of central government ministers may not have to exceed nineteen, as contained in the constitution, and that means ministries should also not exceed. 19. He was speaking, uh, he was delivering a paper on the relevance of Ghana's 1992 constitution within the context of global democratic practices. Now, during the It was actually a very good paper. Yes, yes. If I listened to parts of it, he he made a lot of sense, honestly. During the said uh, lecture, he also revealed that it costs at least $50 million Mm -hmm. on it. To, for a presidential candidate in this yep, country yep. from party level to the national yes. election. That's a lot of money. Cost of elections, really bad. Yeah. High, high, high. Now, as bankers are advising the government not to bring a law to force them to lend. So this is to agriculture. Now, remember the Minister of Agriculture said he was considering legislation to yeah. force banks to lend to uh, farmers. The Ghana Association of Bankers has advised against using a law to force banks to lend to the agriculture sector. According to the Bank of Ghana's May policy report, at 3.5%, the agri-forestry and fishing sectors are the second lowest recipients of credit to the private sector as of April, only faring better than mining and query, which had only 1.8%. Now, speaking on the matter, John Ewa said the free market forces should be allowed to determine where the funds of banks should go. All right, let's do a few more stories before we wrap up quickly. Okay. Well. We've had a uh, share of gold, mm-hmm. which we don't own most of, mm-hmm. oil as well. Now, mm-hmm. the next big thing, lithium. Okay. So, the lands minister is speaking on this. He says government is committed to retaining the full value of the country's lithium mm-hmm. and other green minerals here in Ghana. Mm-hmm. Now, Mr. Jinapo said Ghana is endowed with most of these green minerals, lithium, cobalt, manganese, nickel. These are all important because the world is moving past fossil fuels. And lithium is one of those minerals that's going to be important in the new green energy, clean energy technology, right? Mm-hmm. So, he says geological investigations show we have significant deposits of lithium in Cape Coast, Kumasi, Sunyani, Bole, Wa. Mm-hmm. Explosion activities in the central region have showed an inferred and indicated total mineral resource estimate of over 30.1 million tons, mm-hmm. which is huge. So he's saying that we're going to work to ensure that all of these minerals benefit the people of Ghana all right. while contributing to climate action. Let's okay, well, let help. me take you to the Volta region quickly. Mm-hmm. The Volta region is ready for investors, according to the minister. Mm-hmm. According to him, the region was Developing tourist sites, including the Monkey Sanctuary at Tafi Atome, mm-hmm. the Snake Village at Liatisoba, mm-hmm. the Avedakpa, Friendly Crocodile Pond, mm-hmm. the Vli Waterfalls, Mountain Afaja, among others, to help boost the economy of the region mm-hmm. and the country as a whole. Well, international. Before that, okay. page five of the anchor, Commander Sugar Factory begins full operations in July. A news desk report is basically quoting face to face. CTFM's interview with uh, Michael Otrebefi and mm. saying that uh, Otrebefi has told Umaru Sanda that government will make sure that by close of this month the sugar factory will be working. Mm. Internationally, you've already given us the Sri Lanka story. Sri Lanka declares state of emergency. Yeah. If you come in to fact, the, Africa, military, the, P- the PM has told the military to restore order. We don't know what that means in English, but basically, means necessary. Yeah, he's saying that uh, Sri Lanka's prime minister has told the military to do whatever is necessary to restore order after protesters stormed his office on. Wednesday, he had been appointed acting president by President Gotabias Rajapaska, who fled the country. But uh, many blame the Rajapaska administration for the crisis and see the prime minister, who became prime minister in May, as part of the problem. So they are not letting uh, they are not letting off until they see 
some serious changes. Yes. Okay, but I know, this Indian hemp that was seized in Ho, mm-hmm. it's worth about 17.5 million Ghana cities. Now, isn't Indian hemp used in cosmetics, pharmaceuticals, other Sell use? it. I'm just saying. Going to burn it. I'm even surprised. Going to burn Can't it. we Sell find it. a way to make this an industry that actually benefits maybe, us? Maybe they're afraid that their opponents will say they, they, they brought we into this. Something. You know, Ghana, I don't know. Because there are people who have said this, that if you if you go about it in the right way, you could make a lot of money from it's it. It's a but whole industry waiting to happen. Charlie, I don't know. It's waiting to happen. It's Hello, happening. It's, it's happening. Right? Yes, it's, it's happening, happening in other yeah. But I, I hear yeah. ours is a bit stronger. It, where? Actual, I don't know. Grade. I don't know. High grade. Good morning, Samini. <laughs> Charlie, you get an invitation from Dr. Dampari this morning. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. The, the City Breakfast Show. Obiose is joining us. Breakfast edition. City Business News. Good morning. Good morning, Bernard. Uh, this morning's bulletin is proudly brought to you by MGN Goyle and Enterprise Live. Your advantage and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. Coming up, the International Monetary Fund affirms its support for government's economic revival program following the conclusion of the first round of negotiations between officials of the fund and government. Also, the Institute of Economic Affairs urges government to consider eliminating some fuel taxes and levies to tackle the unending Increase in fuel prices which affect inflation. Now, after a week of engagement with different government officials and institutions, officials of the International Monetary Fund IMF have concluded their visit to Ghana. The visit, which was the first part of negotiations with government, was part of efforts to assess the current economic situation and discuss the broad lines of the government's enhanced domestic program that could be supported by an IMF lending arrangement. In a statement issued by the IMF, the fund reiterated its commitment to support Ghana as the country struggles to recover from the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and the Russia-Ukraine war. This uh, Business News Desk report has more. The initial discussions which began on the 5th of July saw the IMF team meet with the Vice President Dr. Mahamudu Baumia, the Finance Minister Ken Furiata, and the Governor of the Central Bank Dr. Ernest Addison, Parliament's Finance Committee, civil society organizations and development partners including UNICEF and the World Bank. Also, respective teams of the IMF met officials of both the Ministry of Finance and the Bank of Ghana to officially begin work on the bailouts being sought by the country. This move was part of efforts to quicken Ghana's build back in the face of challenges induced by the COVID-19 pandemic and the Russia-Ukraine crisis. During the first part of the discussions on the economic support program, the IMF noted that it focused on helping the government to improve its fiscal balances in a sustainable way while protecting the vulnerable and the poor. In a statement issued by the fund, it said the discussions also explored how to ensure credibility of the monetary policy and exchange rate regimes, preserve financial sector stability, and design reforms to enhance growth, create jobs, and strengthen governance. The fund, however, noted that Ghana has faced challenging economic and social situation amid an increasingly difficult global environment. It also noted that the fiscal and debt situation has severely worsened following the COVID-19 pandemic and investor concerns have triggered 
credit rating downgrades, capital outflows and the loss of external market access. These adverse developments, according to the fund, have contributed to slowing economic growth, accumulation of unpaid bills and a large exchange rate depreciation, as well as a surge in inflation. While reaffirming the fund's support to Ghana, the IMF noted that its staff will continue to monitor the economic and social situation closely and engage with authorities in the coming weeks on the formulation of the enhanced domestic program that could be supported by an IMF arrangement. That was a City Business News Desk report. Moving on, following another hike in the inflation rate for the month of June, the Institute of Economic Affairs, IEA, is tasking government to consider eliminating or reducing numerous fuel taxes and levies to tackle the unending situation. Now, Ghana's inflation rate soared again to hit 29.8% in the month of June, a 2.2 percentage point increase compared to the 27.6% recorded in May. Now, this comes at a time when the the government is under pressure to institute measures to check inflation. Now, Director of Research at the IEA, Dr. John Kwachi, believes government must act with the Bank of Ghana to mitigate effects of major drivers, which according to inflation figures include food, fuel and transport. The IMF is saying that government should provide two subsidies. Now, for fuel, government should use some of its windfall earnings from higher oil prices of about $120 as against what they budgeted for of system. Government must have used about $60 in the budget. But we know that prices have short have, have doubled. So government is earning a windfall from our own oil earnings. So why don't you use part of it to subsidize fuel for us? This is the time also to activate the energy sector stabilization levy which was supposed to have accumulated tax funds to cushion future shocks. To reduce some of the numerous fuel taxes and levies. If you look at a fuel price build-up, the number of levies, taxes, you know, whatever, there are so many. Now, for transport, government should increase availability of intra- and intercity buses. Dr. John Kwachi is the Director of Research at the Institute of Economic Affairs. Now, 75% of Ghanaians disapprove of the electronic transfer levy. This was captured in a recent Afrobarometer report put together by the Ghana Center for Democratic Development, CDD, which sampled data from 2,400 adults in April 2022. Now, the report comes at a time when there have been calls for the scrapping of the levy after it was revealed that it had raised about 10% of the target since its introduction. Now, Michael Obudu has the rest of the story. The Afrobarometer report further revealed that only 2 in 10 Ghanaians endorsed the new tax, while 76% of them think the e-levy is a bad idea because it will increase the tax burden on the poor and ordinary citizens. 75% of Ghanaians also expressed doubt that the government will fulfill its pledge to use the revenues generated by the e-levy to fund development programs. Dr. Edem Selome is the Director of Research at the Center of Democratic Development, CDD. We wanted to see, I mean, we haven't shown any of these demographics by region, but with this 
we thought it was important to see what the regions look like in terms of who disapproves are the E-Levy. Again, you see a reflection of that generally, except when you come to the Ashanti region, where there's a split as to you know, whether they really disapprove or approve of it. So I'm also going to share with you whether people are confident about the use of the E-Levy funds. Again, we see that more than half of those we surveyed said that they are not confident at all that money generated from the e-levy will be used uh, well or for what it's intended. Faced with the e-levy, Ghanaians were about evenly split as to whether they will continue to use electronic financial transactions, with 47% of them stating that they would continue to use the service, while 49% indicated that they would avoid using them. This development reinforces calls by various stakeholders for a downward review of the rate or its complete scrapping as it failed to attain government revenue targets and further worsened the country's revenue position. When asked whether they felt the country was heading in the right direction, this is what they had to say. The thing about taxation is people would either avoid it, and that's not refusing to pay taxes a difference. So we wanted to see tax avoidance as well. So we wanted to know who intends to continue using, you know, the channels that would, you know, end up uh, taxing them when they use the channel. Again, we see a split there. The Ghanaians are quite divided in terms of their views or whether they want to avoid e-levy are using channels that would, you know, That was the Director of Research at the Centre for Democratic Development, Dr. Edem Selome. Let's now join Gideon Amuniche of Databank for the latest update on the bonds market. The Ghanaian secondary bond market commenced this week on a lively note, recording a total market turnover of 805 million Ghana cities out of trades in 16 bonds. The March 23-year bond growth market activity, contributing 50% of the day's turnover and trading at an average indicative yield of 29.12%. The November 26 10-year bond also saw some interest and traded at an average indicative yield of 27.83%. On the money market this week, the Ghanaian Treasury will offer 932 million Ghana cities for the 91 day and the 22 day bills. At the last auction, the 91 day yield inched up by a basis point to 25.89%, while the 22 day yield dropped by two basis points to 26.55%. That was Gideon Amunichi of Databank, and that does it for the breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN, Goyle, and Enterprise Life, your advantage, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Bobie Osei. Do you have a good business day. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise.
Robin Espaz, the hour of uh, seven, City Breakfast Show. Lots to talk about today. Senior high schools under stress. Buffer stock is asking for a hundred million CDs. Some people think it's not even about giving buffer stock money. It's about decentralizing food administration. What do you think? And of course, we have told as well, Eastern Regional Charles is saying, goes down to schools if you can't feed them. Areas are too, too high and we're really not happy with the situation in the schools. But today I'll be asking, why do we keep going to the IMF? What's the real problem with our economy? How do we solve that problem? I'm speaking to a fellow at the Africa Center for Economic Transformation Asset. Then I'll have Dr. Albert Tuna Mama. You know Mama? <laughs> Not a footballer. This is the, the economist. The IMF has finished their first round of meetings with Ghana. We'll ask, what next? How much money are you giving us? And then later on, we'll also talk about inflation. It's now near 30%. All of this among the City Breakfast Show today, the 14th of July. Coming up next is kickoff is brought to you by Lesheho. If you're a government worker or a private salaried worker ready to go big with your passion, Lesheho has great news for you. Take a loan between now and August, receive a cashback reward, apply for our competitive payroll loans and get rewarded really big. Visit appforms.lesheho.com or call 0577-699-923. Let's go big together. Lesheho, let's improve life. Nathan Kwa is joining us with a sport on Thursday. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, Bernard. In the headline, Suleiman Tari says he's open to a return to the Black Stars. Thomas Partey joins Arsenal's traveling party to the U.S. for preseason. Chelsea finally signed their man Raheem Sterling. And Zambia and Morocco are through to the Women's World Cup final in Australia and New Zealand next year. I'll be giving you more details about that. Men, let's begin with some men's football news. And uh, Heart of Oak midfielder Suli Ali Muntari says he's open to returning to the Black Stars ahead of the World Cup in Qatar. Now, the 37-year-old, he spent last season playing for Accra Hearts of Oak in the Ghana Premier League. He's not played for the Black Stars since the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. Now, he was speaking to GTV in an interview and he said he was willing to support the Black Stars in any way possible, including getting to be part of the team, but he would be happy with any chance to help the team, even if he doesn't get the opportunity to play once again for the senior national team. Ghana, even if I'm in my crutches today and they ask me to come help, definitely I'm going to run and go. Even if I can play, I'll sit there and, 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 and contribute. You know, the thing is that I can't sit down seeing my country uh, go down. It's the, it's the serious passion that I have for, for football. Whatever I do, work that I do, uh, I put everything in because I always want to win. And you see the love that is our people, the market women, the, the sick ones, and people around the street, they cheer your name and everything. They don't want anything. They just they just give you that love. So why don't you give it back uh, by putting the effort and making them happy? 
Sule Ali Muntari, Hearts of Oak player, speaking there, says he's open to a return to the Black Stars. We wait to see how that particular one will play out. Now, one of uh, Sule Ali Muntari's former teammates is Lion Kingston. These days, he coaches the Right to Dream under-18 team and he's revealed that missing out on the chance to play in the Premier League is one of his biggest career regrets. Now, at a point in Lion Kingston's career, he was in Scotland, played in Russia. He was on the verge of joining Fulham in 2007, but he picked up an injury on the eve of his medical and that led to Fulham walking away from the deal. Now according to Larry Kingston, it was a big dream for him but that dream just did not come to pass. Yeah, that was that was my aim. My, my dream is to play there. Mm. That's why in the first place I, I moved to England. Mm. Uh, I was unlucky. Uh, mm. Fulham, uh, it was a mid-season uh, in transfer mm. in January, I, think, I remember. Mm. I remember we, we having a game before the match in the players' lounge, mm. uh, sporting director from Fulham, mm. Fulham came. Uh, my my manager was there. We sat in the players' lounge. Mm. We have a chat. So immediately after the game, we have to fly to England and mm. then for me to sign the contract. Absolutely. My first touch in the game, I turned my hamstring. Wow. Great three. I have to stay out for like eight weeks, mm. and it's January transfer window. They need a player like me to replace replace him. So they have no choice than to find another player. So that's how come I, 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 I mix it. Like instinct speaking, the sad stuff there, but <clears throat> he's moved on, sorry. Two big things. He's coaching these days. I'm sure he would want to get a chance maybe one day to manage in the Premier League to make up for lost time from the old to the new. And a player who plays in England as we speak is Thomas Tepart. He plays for Arsenal. Now he's been included in the team's preseason list for their USA tour. Now he was called up after missing Arsenal's trip to Germany where they beat Nuremberg 5-3 in a preseason game last Friday. Now Arsenal's tour in the US will see them taking on Orlando City after their game against Everton and then they play Chelsea before returning to London for the Emirates Cup. So good news for Thomas Partey. He gets to be part of preseason and he'll get ready for the new season which starts sometime in August and we stay with the Premier League and Chelsea yesterday confirmed the signing of England forward Raheem Sterling from Manchester City on a deal that's worth 47 and a half million pounds Sterling signed a five-year deal at Stamford Bridge and uh, he joined them he joins them from Man City where he scored 131 goals in 339 games he won four Premier League titles conquered everything in England the Champions League is still elusive though for him and his uh, former teammates at Man City now Sterling is Chelsea's first major signing of the window since Ted Bowley took over a few months ago and let's hear from um, Raheem Sterling's England teammate and now Chelsea teammate Mason Mount top top guy obviously such an experienced player top class pro i've obviously been lucky to to play with him over the last couple of years at england where he's captained the team at times and he's someone who's been there for a very long time since i think it, when did he make his debut 17 18 so he's a top player and i've learned a lot of him over the last couple of years so for him to be joining us he's only going to bring our, our levels higher and um He's definitely someone who strives for higher levels to win, and that's what we want. We want them players around this group, and um, yeah, very excited to, to see him and for him to be here. Mason Mount speaking highly of his new Chelsea teammate, Raheem Sterling. Let's stay with some transfer news. And Manchester United are said to be close to agreeing a deal with Ajax over uh, central 
defend Alessandro Martinez. The Argentine has been the subject of a uh, bit of an intense back and forth between Man United and Ajax. Ajax are said to have uh, agreed to sit down with United and they're trying to sort out the payment structure. The understanding is that a deal could be announced in the next 24 to 48 hours and uh, should that happen, Martinez will become um, Eric Ten Hag's second signing of the window that's on one side. On the, on the other hand, you have Christian Eriksen, according to reports, whose deal to Man United is progressing steadily. We wait to see if or when that deal will go through. Uh, yeah, Barcelona and Leeds United have come to an agreement over the transfer of Rafinha. The Brazilian winger had been angling for a move to the Camp Nou and it looks like he'll be getting his move. Leeds manager Jesse Marsh, um, he said the move was the player's dream and so they could not really stand in the player's way. Uh, let's get back to Chelsea because they are also set to sign Napoli defender Khalidou Koulibaly and um, they are also closing uh, in on a deal for Man City centre-back Nathan Ake. So all of a sudden the teams have woken up, they are trying to add more players to their ranks as the new season draws closer and closer. Let's cross the pond let's get to the United States where Wayne Rooney has been appointed uh, head coach of Major League side DC United. It's his second job in management after he left Derby County last month remember towards the tail end of Rooney's career he played for DC United and he's back in the States uh, to manage that team and help them succeed in the the U.S. Uh, Major Soccer League. And he's been speaking about his new role and what the expectations are ahead of a new MLS season. First of all, obviously, um, leaving Derby County was a tough decision for me because we built something special with the, the fans, with the, the staff there. Um, but I felt it was the right time um, for me to leave that. And then, and really, um, Jason got in touch with my agent and, and asked about the possibility of me coming back. And uh, I sat down, uh, I looked at it, it was something which interested me. I'm still a, a young manager, a young coach who wants to improve, wants to get better. I, I think I'm a, well, I am a players manager. They're very demanding, the players will know exactly what I expect of them. The principles I have the players will know that and if they don't do it they won't play it's as simple as that whether that's a, a DP to, to the youngest player in the squad or all demands on, on work ethic New DC United manager Wayne Rooney speaking there. Let's end with some women's football. And Zambia beat uh, Senegal 4-1 penalties yesterday to make the last four of the 2022 women's AFCON that's been played in Morocco. The match ended 1-1 uh, after extra time after Ngena Ndiaye and Avel um, Chitundu scored for either side. In the shootout, the heroine was uh, Zambian goalie Hazel Nali. She saved a decisive kick and went on to put Zambia's fourth kick away as they qualified for the semi-finals and by extension they've booked a ticket to next year's Women's World Cup which will be played in Australia and New Zealand. In the other semi-final played last night, Morocco, their home country, they beat Botswana by two goals to one. Sanaa Masudi and Yasmin Amrabet scored uh, for Morocco while um, Ketumutse Ditebe scored for Botswana. Later today, Nigeria faced Cameroon in a heavyweight clash in the third semi-final and the fourth semi-final which will be played later tonight will, uh, will take place I'm in Morocco and it's between South Africa and Tunisia and the winners of the two semi-finals or the two quarter-finals sorry will head into the semi-final and then they'll book the last two places to represent Africa in next year's FIFA Women's World Cup happening in Australia and New Zealand. And that's our kickoff for this morning. Probably brought to you by Lechego. My name is Nathan Kwa. Many, many thanks for listening. There's more sports on citysportsonline.com plus we have more news for you in our African bulletins on TV and on radio. Do have a fantastic day. Stay safe, take care and please keep listening to the City Breakfast Show. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise.
so senya be ya me ni huase me mami yo yo fo me papa yo yeni me ni da so ane wo me da fo nsio mu pa ya papa e ye mu pa ya banante entinya me so ane se kanu ba chemi o Alandio, Alandi, ha ha, Missy, Alandio, Alandi. 
Alande. Cannot pay Alande. Hey, finally. Cannot pay Alande. Do more your way on Ghana Pay. Send and receive money at zero transaction fees. Pay bills, buy airtime and data, transfer money in and out of your bank accounts, and so much more with Ghana Pay. Dial star 707 hash to register for Ghana Pay or download the Ghana Pay app from the Play Store or App Store. Alande. Alande. Cannot pay Alande. Ghana Pay. Your money, your way. This service is powered by Gibbs. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Seven thirty-two City Breakfast Show. Playing a lot of AB Crenshaw songs this morning to spice up your day. Well, we—I'm sure you've heard by now. AB Crenshaw kicked the bucket yesterday, and quite a number of people expressing fond memories of him, celebrating with the legacy of his songs. Happy birthday to you, Abigail Lamte of the Ghana Highway Authority. May you grow from strength to strength, and may you live long to fulfill your purpose on earth. From your friends, family, and all of us at Public Affairs Division of Ghana Highways Authority. Wishing Mrs. Pamela Boating a happy blessed birthday. May God perfect all you wish for. And may the lines fall for you in pleasant places. From your twin brothers Derek and Desmond Vanderpoy. To Pamela Boating. Happy birthday to my sister Rose Ann of Pan African TV. From William Fodjo, NPA Koforidia. To Staff Sergeant Jennifer Ahingwa of Engineers Training School, Teshi. May God answer all your secret prayers and congratulations on your new rank. It's double, double blessings from Joseph Orlando Gakpo, Teshi Laskala. Also wishing my wife, Mrs. Eva Ajari Metal of the Health Information Services Department, 37 Nature Hospital, a happy birthday. The children and I wish you all the good things in life. May you be blessed beyond measure from Frederick a Jari Metal, Branch Manager, Omni Basic Bank of Thank you. 
And happy birthday to Patience Kumsin, aka Mami Fachiwa from the team at Palm Institute. God bless you for your support in diverse ways. Coming in from Dr. Carlos Okante. And please help me wish my husband, the love of my youth, my Cambodia partner and game changer, Dr. Alexander Eko Asma, Executive Director of Center for Entrepreneurship, Philanthropy and Ethics at the Heritage College. A blessed birthday. May the Lord order his steps, bring someone into his life. I love you. From your wife, Juliet Abia Asma, and the children, Kenneth and Kweku Asma. And from the 1st of July, 2022, all charging entities will be connected to the Ghana Revenue Authority Common Platform. This will ensure that the 100 Ghana cities exemption per person on daily basis is enforced across all mobile platforms. Remember to link your Ghana card to your bank accounts and mobile numbers and enjoy the e-levy exclusions. If you're wrongfully charged e-levy, contact your bank or your telco. Let your taxes work for you and let's build Ghana together. This message is brought to you by the GRA, the Government of Ghana and the people of Ghana. And there's good news for all publishers, printing presses, educational institutions, churches, public and private organizations. Prospectus Ghana introduces chalk white A4 sheets, quality paper for all your paper printing jobs. You can enjoy smooth printing with clean printouts and avoid unnecessary paper crumpling during printing. Use chalk white A4 sheets for all your printing and make some savings by purchasing it at a relatively cheaper price. Prospectus Ghana provides you with free delivery within Accra for goods worth a thousand CDs and more. You can locate Prospectus Ghana on the Graphic Road opposite Toyota Ghana or call 0500-600-607. Prospectus Ghana, your one-stop shop for all school items and stationery. And beginning 4th July, all Peugeot and Citroën owners can visit any Silver Star Auto Workshop in Accra, Tema or Kumasi and enjoy free diagnosis of their vehicles and 15% discount on spare parts and any service delivery. If you own a Peugeot or Citroën vehicle, this is the news you've been waiting for. The promo ends on the 29th of July, 2022. Visit our Facebook and Instagram pages to book your slot. Silver Star Auto, your trusted partner. Nissan, they want to tell you they're celebrating 70 years of the all-conquering Nissan Patrol. Can you imagine? The Nissan Patrol is 70 years old. The Patrol has remained one of the world's most loved and respected SUVs, having earned its reputation in the scorching heat of deserts, the rugged mountain slopes, and modern city streets. To celebrate this milestone, Japan Motors is offering amazing freebies on every Nissan Patrol you purchase. Get a free 12-month service plan, fuel vouchers, MacBook Air, or iPhone 13 Pro. Etc. While cruising in the best SUV ever, call us today on zero two four four three three eight three nine three, or visit our showrooms nationwide for a test drive. The promo is valid until the middle of August. Japan Motors, driven by excellence. <laughs> And not only-
only does land litigation make you spend more, it also takes time. Make the right choice by securing your desired plot of land at Shandonia Garden. It's a 100-acre gated community. It's at Community 24, which is five minutes drive from the Axel Toll Point off the Accra Tema Motorway. Our plots are fully titled. There's 24-7 security, asphalted roads, underground electrification, constant water supply, solar-powered streetlights, and amenities like basketball and tennis courts, children's playground, etc. We have three, six, eight, and 12-month payment plans and outright payment. Our office is at Dr. Kwate Papafia Road in the airport residential area at the old Ghana Airways building. Call 0302-765-436 or visit shandoniapproperties.com and our social media platforms. Seven thirty-eight. Coming up later, I'll be speaking to Dr. Edward Brown. He's a senior director of research and policy engagement at the Africa Center for Economic Transformation. Why am I speaking to him? Well, we've visited IMF seventeen times since independence. Clearly, if you've gone to, <laughs> I mean, if you, I, I don't know how to put this. If you keep going to a doctor every, I don't know, for the same sickness, essentially it's chronic. Yeah, it's a chronic sickness. You go every, and this is since you were born. Like you go. And you know, there are some sicknesses that you have to graduate from. So when you are born as a baby, you are certain things you have. But like as a teenager, your sicknesses must change. Do you know? But you've been going since like baby, and now you are going for the same sickness. So it's, I don't know whether it's the diagnosis that's wrong or whether it's you that's not taking care of yourself well. But if it's congenital, then you have no hope. Well, congenital means you came it. with it. Yes, you just have to treat it for life. That's actually a wonderful analogy. So mm-hmm. if you, okay, so we've, we've been to IMF uh, 17 times. Mm-hmm. Every decade, in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, went a lot in the 80s. Now, you feel it's... That's an interesting point. You're basically saying the nation was not born well. Maybe the baby pulling... When when, when, when they bring the baby out, they scratch the head or something. No, but like, it's, that's a very powerful thing you said. Let's think about it. So, maybe Ghana's problem is the way it was birthed. Maybe. Maybe it's a congenital disease. Yeah, you know, like you know, you have no idea how how powerful what you said is, eh? You have no idea. Like my mind is racing in a million places. Like maybe the way the economy was set up initially, it was bound to fail, and it was it was set up in a way that you can never be free from these kinds of things. Maybe you're right. Do you know? Mm. You've said something very powerful. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, so I'll speak to Dr. Brown to just give me some context to this economy. Why am I speaking to Dr. Brown? Asset, I think, is probably... There are a lot of think tanks. There's IEA, there's IFS. They're all very good. Mm-hmm. But you see, what Asset does is that they focus on transformation, which I, basically they've, they've understood that, yes, your physicals must be right, your macro figures must be okay, but they're basically saying if you really want to develop, you must transform your economy. Mm-hmm. So their approach to development economics interests me a lot. And I feel Dr. Brown can give us some insights into why we are going to the hospital this many times. Whether it's congenital, whether it's lifestyle, you know. We could actually use a medical term to explain Ghana. Lifestyle disease, don't eat sugar. You're eating only sugar. You're spending on consumables. You're borrowing too much, all right? You're whatever. <laughs> anyway, so, and then later I'll speak to Dr. Albertuna Mama. Uh, IMF story... In fact, I think the biggest story in the past one month has been IMF, right? Mm-hmm. Why has it been such a big story? Why is it such mm-hmm. a huge story? Because of the circumstances that surrounded us going to the IMF. I mean, the political... Yeah, the political talk. The winchy-winchy, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. 
<laughs> because we've been to IMF before. I don't think in 20... Uh, it's it? never really been a Yeah, in 2015, thing. it wasn't that such a... B- I remember the main thing was that they did some sinchy thing yeah. and the economy, you know, we had boomsaw and things. So usually... I remember the finance minister was saying we have homegrown solutions and then the opposition said it wasn't going to work. And then yeah. eventually went to IMF, like two weeks of discussion was over. But this one has been very, very controversial. Yeah. Even I've had interviews with even international media houses asking me to tell them why Ghana went for the IMF, what people are saying. I've done like two interviews. So it's a big story. Yeah. Well, before we get into all of that, it's been a tough year, but we at Kimmo Home want to play our part in helping you complete your building project. We're offering you 20% discount on all sanitary wear and kitchen sets from now till 20th July. Look at our showroom on the Sphinx Road near Manet Junction. Harry Wild stocks last. Call or WhatsApp 0244-030-411 or 0244-334-947. And Zenit Bank just made linking your Ghana card details to your Zenit account easy. Visit our branch or go online, zenibank.com.gh or Facebook, IG or LinkedIn and Twitter to link your card to your account or, or visit a branch to do this. You'll get an SMS and email to show that this has happened. Zenit Bank in your best interest. So what are the media reporting about the IMF today? I've got first. So what's the latest on the IMF as we speak? Well, if you go to page 16 of the Daily Graphic, Maxwell Lakalari Adombila reports that the IMF mission to the country has said it is focused on helping the government to improve its fiscal balance in a sustainable way mm-hmm. while protecting the vulnerable and the poor. Mm-hmm. He said the two issues were the main focus during the first round of discussions around an economic support program that ended yesterday. Okay. Quote, IMF staff will continue to monitor the economic and social situation closely and engage in the coming with the authorities on the formulation of they are enhanced domestic program that could be supported by an IMF arrangement and with broad stakeholder consultation. We reaffirm our commitment to support Ghana at this difficult time, consistent with the IMF's policies. And this was from Carlos Stradelovich, who was the IMF mission chief to Ghana. And according to him, the team made progress in assessing the economic situation and identifying policy priorities in the near term. The discussions focused on improving fiscal balances in a sustainable way while protecting the vulnerable and the poor, ensuring credibility of the monetary policy and exchange rate regimes, preserving financial sector stability and designing reforms to enhance growth, create jobs and strengthen governance. Now, according to the graphics analysis, sources familiar with the discussions told the paper that one of the key conclusions reached by the government and the IMF team was to undertake a special debt sustainability analysis, a DSA, to determine the country's debt levels and the government's ability to service it, to service it whenever it fell due. Mm. The results were needed to determine whether or not the country qualified for an IMF program under the fund's ability to pay mm. criteria, mm. he said. The sources said the DSC was expected to be done by the government, the IMF, and the World Bank Group before the next IMF mission visit uh, to wow. the country for another round of bailout talks. All right. So that's a very important point. I'll come back to this before the interview, Dr. Tuna. But let's talk to Dr. Edward Brown. He is a senior director of research and policy engagement at the Africa Center for Economic Transformation. And I'm going to open with your, your, your analogy. <laughs> so, uh, Doc, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Bernard. Thanks for inviting me. So my colleague just pointed out that Ghana, having visited the IMF or invited the IMF 17 times for the same sickness, is probably a congenital disease or a lifestyle disease. So borrowing the medical analogy as an economist, 
our, our forays to the IMF for help, is it because we were born with a disease or is our eating habits that has given us this sickness? Yeah, I think it's more of the eating habit, if you want me to use your analogy. But let me just quickly make one important distinction. I think each time the government is going to the IMF for relief, it has what you might call a liquidity crisis. In other words, the country's ability to be able to service its debt is very constrained, and that's why they're going for I mean, support from the IMF, which would then provide this uh, balance of payment support, but would, but would also require that the fiscal framework and economic you know programs are much more deeper in order to sustain the capacity of the country to service its debt. And here comes the issue of solvency. So I think it's both an issue of liquidity, but also a liquidity of sol- I mean, a problem of solvency, which is the country's ability over the medium to long term, to be able to continue to sustain, you know, any kind of financial obligations it has, both with external partners as well as domestic. And with solvency, we are faced with a problem where the capacity of the economy, even though we are well endowed, like in many other countries, we're well endowed with resources to be able to convert these resources into liquidity when it's required. Our capacity and policies to drive that agenda, which is economic transformation, has been very much limited. And I make the distinction between just growth, which can be propelled by increasing public expenditure, particularly on consumption, salaries, and so on, and economic transformation, which implies that you are deeply looking at the fact that the structural changes in the economy that would ensure that the economy would build resilience against both external and internal shocks. Mm. By resilience, I mean the ability of the country, when faced with any shock, to be able to withstand that shock in a, in a less severe way and recover quickly. And the only way you can do that is if your economy is transforming by diversifying your production base, by ensuring that you have a good competitive urge in exports, and in particular, by ensuring that you increase productivity. In other words, you are increasing output per labor over time. Mm. And when you look at all these variables relating to the Ghanaian economy, it's been going down over the last two decades. I'll, I'll let you elaborate on that, but I wanted to go back to the initial point you made, distinguishing liquidity challenges from solvency problems. What is the relationship between the deficit we run and the fact that we, we become illiquid and insolvent? I'm asking this because I recall when COVID came, the German finance minister says, nobody should talk to me about deficits. And I know there are countries who are advanced who run much, much larger deficits than we do. So how come for us, when our deficit crosses double digits, all hell breaks loose and everybody talks about having to go for IMF relief? What is the difference? I think the difference developed economies in our economy is the capacity to be able to borrow at competitive prices, much, much lower than what the developing countries can do because of the, uh, the macroeconomic framework, which is reasonably stable, 
and ensures con- con- I mean, investor confidence to be able to provide additional resources when they have liquidity challenges, you know, because they are able to, I mean, there is clearly, uh, I mean, for example, if you take the, I mean, the U.S. or U.K. and so on, they are safe havens. The U.S. is able to run huge deficits without necessarily constraining the fiscal space to continue to finance specific infrastructure developments and other productive support to the private sector. In most African countries, we are not that solvent. The, the cost of borrowing is high because of the risk perception, which is built into the offers that the capital market would offer. So there might be about 150 to 200 basis points, which is only related to the fact that, uh, I mean, investors do not have enough confidence in your capacity to be able to repay. So the structure they are financing in ways that are much more pernicious to African economies, and in particular to a country like Ghana that has gone to the capital markets over the last five years or so quite frequently. And the cost of borrowing is quite high compared to what the UK or Germany would borrow in the capital market of almost zero or one percent. African economies are borrowing around nine percent. So that is a challenge. And but this is related to the fact that we are not solvent. We are we're not transforming our economies to improve our, our, our productive base in order to ensure that we, have, we are competitive in, in our products, in order to ensure that we can head against external shocks by diversifying the economy, in order to focus on increasing productivity, which would increase welfare being. Uh, we, we are able to apply technology to increase com- competitiveness. These are all issues. They are, not, they are issues that need to be addressed over the medium to long term. Mm. And over the last 30 years, we have not been making it it's an intentional effort to drive the transformation agenda by focusing on the key drivers of transformation. And I would mention five of them, or four key ones. The first is that you need to diversify your economy. If you look at Ghanaian economy, just like many other African economies, they are commodity-driven. And the commodity, if you are commodity-driven, then you are, you are not hedging against the external shocks of the bust and boom cycle, which is typical of commodity. Secondly, you are also not moving up the, the production ladder to add value add to the product in order for you to be able to diversify your economy in such that when there's an external shock, there are certain sectors that may be able to withstand the shocks better than others, and therefore the effect on the growth trajectory would be minimum. And we found that countries that are transforming are more resilient to external shocks. Countries that are not transforming are going to get a hard hit, and Ghana is one of them. In fact, in our recent analysis on um, economic transformation, Ghana is among the bottom 10 countries that are not performing well on the transformation trajectory. You know, and this is related to the fact that there is not enough intentional effort in the industrial policy to show up the capacities of the SMEs, to become more investment-ready and to be able to compete in the regional and global markets. So these are the mm-hmm. fundamental challenges that we face. And this is typical for many of the African countries. But if you take a country like South Africa or Mauritius, which has really moved up the production ladder, adding value to its products, agro-processing, most of the products, that, the agro-processing products that we have in Ghana 
you know, the Jews and so on, are coming from South Africa or from um, North Africa. We ourselves, even though we have the endowment to improve agro-processing and to be able to export, we haven't provided an intentional focus to support the industries in this area to be able to become competitive. And I think that is a fundamental issue. But that's interesting because just on that point about the ranking and Ghana's position, I thought we'd been, this is the sixth year of a policy called One District, One Factory. It was supposed to be what would transform our industrial sector, manufacturing. So is it that it's too short a time or is it a wrong-headed policy or what, what, how, how come <laughs> our transformation in the, in the moving from commodity to value addition We've lagged behind our peers, even though we've been trumpeting a one district, one factory policy. I, I think the one district, one uh, factory policy is, in, is not inherently a, a bad one. It is a good one, but it has to be anchored in commercial and financial fundamentals. In other words, you know, it's not all districts that would be able to have a factory given their endowment, given the position within the geography of the country and that to encourage private sector to increase the supply response, encourage the private sector to go there, there are certain fundamental structural uh, support that the government needs, particularly infrastructure. If you're talking about agro-processing, for example, productivity in agriculture is very low. So the output in agriculture, even to feed small firms that may be processing fruits, vegetables, and so on, is very limited. And the example that Sometimes I give is blue skies, which is which has been around for years. But again, in terms of that cultural productivity, increase in production to be able to feed these industries is very limited. They are not consistent. The qualities are not good, and therefore there is there is a sense in which government policy might be targeted at increasing productivity on the farm, modernizing the farm, and particularly you know, providing the feeder roads to increase the first and the last mile connections to markets and to industry. These are some of the things that the government can do under the one district one factory to create the enabling environment to crowd in the private sector with their own capital. The government doesn't necessarily have to provide resources directly to the, to, uh, to the factories or to the companies, the SMEs, but they need to provide a policy framework and also infrastructure support to reduce the cost to the private sector. And I think if the focus is on, that, on those issues, it's important. The other issue, if you're looking at the, um, I mean, feeding jobs for, I mean. Planting for food and jobs. Yeah, planting for food and jobs. One of the fundamental things that needs to be done is that if, if you are going to provide subsidies for, to, to, to the agriculture sector, it has to be driven by the market. It is not something, you know, when you are selecting and picking and choosing winners, then you're not going to be able to do that effectively. So there is a need for much more strategic approach, partnership with the private sector to ensure that some of these services that have been provided are anchored in sound commercial and financial principles which would encourage the private sector to come. So we make a distinction between the consumption-related interventions and the productive-related mm. interventions, which is mm. to, to support the farmers to increase their productivity through certain policies, financial mediation to provide them with uh, 
access to medium to long term financing, mm. particularly in agriculture where there is the vicissitudes of the weather and so on. I see. You know, insurance and all those things that would enable them to withstand any kind of commodity, you know, challenges that they, they may, I mean, they, they may face. Mm. So it's very, very important that the role of the state is well defined mm-hmm. in order to crowd out, in order not to crowd out the private sector, but to crowd in the private sector All right. by providing the enabling environment for that to happen. Now, the point you made about diversification seems very simple and straightforward. How come it's been so difficult to do for the past three decades or more? Well, I think it's also a question of political will because I think there's enough analytical work and it's experiments that have been done to provide guidance to moving on this. You know, we're focusing too much on traditional exports, but we should also be looking at the non-traditional exports. And the number of work has been done. We, in particular, have done what we call product-based analysis to identify areas and sectors where we have the natural endowment in order to be able to shore up our competitiveness. But this has to be intentional. There has to be deliberate effort to guide and support those sectors in order to make them competitive. Mm. So, you know, if, if, if for example, if, if you were, Bernard, if you were the president of, of Ghana or any of the countries, I would say that you should, you should have on your dashboard five key variables which you're going to hold your ministers accountable for. One is diversification. What are you doing to diversify the economy? And it's easy to measure what diversification is. We have... I mean, an indicator called diversification, which has a variety of clear indicators that would help you identify that you are diversifying or not. So, for example, if we take manufacturing value added as a percentage of GDP, and you are saying to your ministers of trade and industry and the Ministry of Finance, at the moment, manufacturing constitutes only about 6% of GDP. We should target 10%. How do we do that? It's your job to make that happen. So you are targeting outcome objectives and holding them accountable to those outcome objectives as opposed to targeting how many vehicles or, or, or services have you provided to the farmers. You want to target objectives that are measurable, that everybody can identify with. The second thing you would ask them to do is I want to be export competitive and my export basket also must diversify. We are currently having three about three commodities that takes, you know, our export basket in terms of value, of volume of exports, is gold, um, oil, you know, and, and cocoa. You know, and each time, you know, the, the global market, you know, bust, then we have a problem. We need to be able to add value to these items. So diversifying your exports is important. But more importantly also is that we need to continue to improve productivity. Ghanaian farmers, manufacturing, and services productivity are very low compared to their comparators, say, in Asia, Vietnam, or even Malaysia. We need to begin to increase productivity. And how do we do that? A number of things go into that. But your target as the minister, as the president, Bernard, would be, I want to see that the productivity in manufacturing has grown from 6,000 per the worker to say 12,000. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? You hold them accountable. To, to All right, so there's the D and the E. So diversify, export competitive. What else should I do? Technology. We are in a fast-changing technological age. 
digitalization innovations are constantly disrupting production and everything. We need to be strategic in being able to to, observe, I mean, to absorb technology, to upgrade our industries, our services using technology. So the government must have the capability to coordinate, to facilitate, to support innovations, which would help enhance capacity in manufacturing, in services, and so on. So technology is another thing. It's very, very important. And it also means that we need to begin to realign our supply side education system to be more responsive to the nature of jobs that are evolving. And these are evolving rapidly. But our education system are still maintaining the old curriculum. They're not including new ideas. They're not focusing on STEM. I mean, at the moment in Ghana, I think even for the university, less than 20% of those in the tertiary right. education are in STEM. You know, and the same thing with secondary school. All right, Doc, I, I have just a minute. So what, what else do I need to do? You've given me three of the five. <laughs> what else should I do? I've, I've, I've given you four of the five. I had diversification, export competitiveness. I had technology. Productivity. Oh, productivity. 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 Increase productivity. Output per labor, yes. Output per labor. And that requires education. It requires a variety of things to make that happen. And it requires coordination between industry and the, and the education and the training system in order to ensure a constantly evolving dynamics that will align the quality of the labor force to the nations. And the last one, which is the most important, is human well-being, human economic well-being. In other words, you need to ensure inclusiveness without having inclusive, in particular women who constitute almost even more than half of the workforce or the population, are not adequately provided for. You know, the opportunities for jobs and so on for women are very limited. We need to also improve the education. We need to focus on STEMs and so on to ensure that women also have contribution. And the evidence is incontrovertible that economies that have higher female labor participation also are doing well on resilience, are doing well on, on economic growth, they are doing well in human well-being, health, education, and so on, because women are the are the foundations of many of these things. All right. Fantastic. Thank you for your advice in terms, <laughs> in terms of what we should do. Obviously, there's a lot to think about, but I'll take this as a good starting point. Doc, thank you so much for your insights. Doctor, thank you. Thank you for having me. Dr. Red Brown is the Senior Director for Research and Policy Engagement, Africa Center for Economic Transformation. He says the problem with Ghana is more... We are eating the wrong food, and if we want to really recover, we must grow with diversification, export competitiveness, technology, productivity, and human res- human resource focus. Well, so that's the, the the medicine for your congenital disease. Four minutes past eight. Time for tech and social media trends. Okay, who's sponsoring this? Cal Bank, and they're telling us to shop online or in-store using their range of debit and prepaid cards, Visa, MasterCard, and GH Link. You can call 0800-500-500 to learn more or visit their social media platforms or go to customercare at calbank.net. Cal Bank, forward together. And Vodafone wants to remind us that until the 31st of July, you can still register your SIM card with your Ghana card, okay? Now, if you don't do that, after the 31st of July, the card will not work. So please dial star one ten hash. Go to your Vodafone outlet and go and sort that out. Right. And this morning, Godfred is going to do the honest. What's trending, Godfred?
Well, quite a few things are trending, Bernard. Uh, I don't know why football always seems to dominate the Ghana trends. Mm-hmm. So today you have Kulibali trending at number two. That's because there seems to be a big chunk of Chelsea fans, and well, mm-hmm. just basically Premier League fans in Ghana, mm-hmm. discussing the soon to be made very, very official signing of Kalidu Kulibali. It's actually going. Yes, a 31 year old centre back of. Napoli, he's joining Chelsea as their latest signing. Massive, massive one. Personal Kipembe is also trending. He's also a footballer centre-back. Where is he going? Potentially also linked with Chelsea. Uh, left-footed uh, centre-back, very good passing. Uh, then there's a, a kid called Colwell as well, yes. I think from the Chelsea Academy. Yes, he's, he's also leaving. That's also trending. Then you have UTAG trending, and that's because of the announcement by the Senior Staff Association of UTAG. That's they are uh, going on strike. So that's also quite high up. A.B. Krenzel is trending. And oh, that's because he Krenzel. passed away. A lot of Ghanaians sharing their thoughts uh, and memories. So you have um, Ghanaian artist Gambo, for instance, tweeting and saying, My heartfelt feelings and prayer goes to the legendary A.B. Krenzel's family. May his soul rest in perfect peace. Then um, you have a lot of news portals uh, reporting... Uh, the passing, and then just, like I said, Ghanians, uh, there's one to handle that shared five AB Krenzel songs that will never fade. So people just really, really in their feelings about AB Krenzel. Then as well, a lot of Chelsea trends, Malang Sa, Chaloba, Rudiga. Chelsea is wild. Well, uh, I, I think they got, they got Sterling, so they are wild. Yeah. <laughs> so just uh, a couple of things uh, to take note of in the tech space. Mm-hmm. So Bill Gates... Uh, is pledging to give all his wealth away, and yesterday he announced he's giving away Can twenty I have his phone billion. Number, please, <laughs> he's giving away twenty billion dollars, and says eventually everything he has will be given to charity. But yesterday, why does not he give it to Ghana? <laughs> so we will build our economy. Our problems. Yeah. Even if he gives us one billion, <laughs> he's giving away twenty billion dollars. Yes, yesterday. Hmm. And he's e! a billionaire after that. He'll still be a billionaire. A multi-billionaire. Multi-billionaire after that. Give it away. Can't spend all that money. Do you have his phone number? (laughs) I'll try and find it. I will give him a two-minute pitch. I will try and find it for myself. Why he must? Why he must support independent, credible media in Ghana? (laughs) Well, they they, they certainly do that to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm -hmm. Really? Yes, they do. What programs do they do? I haven't. I I work for one. (laughs) Oh, so they set up smaller inter. Yes. So to help media capacity building. Yes. Oh, that's good. So that's good. There is that. Then, Bena, this one will take you by surprise, mm-hmm. but we need to take note of this. So, um, reading that nearly half of Gen Z is using TikTok and Instagram for search instead of Google, according to Google's own data. Can you repeat really? that? Yes, nearly half of Gen Z mm-hmm. is using. Not everybody understands the Gen Z matter. Gen Z are people born after 1990. 90, yes, they are using what? They are using more of TikTok and Instagram over Google search and maps according to Google's own internal data. So they see TikTok and IG as their native social media platforms. Yes. Now, according to a Google executive who has confirmed, it says that TikTok's format is changing the way young people conduct internet searches, and Google is working very hard to keep up. Now, uh, it says that Google has highlighted changes it plans to make to its search engine. All right. Also trending is that a lot more kids and teens now spend more time watching TikTok than YouTube. Wow. Which is also quite interesting. That is also uh, wow. a trend that we need to keep up. But this particular data set is quite nuanced. It has a lot of detail that 
might be a wow. bit misleading if you read it just off the top. So for those who are interested, this we, we probably find this one from Kust, uh, from Castudio mm. and check it. And then finally, mm-hmm. something that I hope happens in Ghana soon: mm-hmm. Uber has been sued by 550 women uh-huh. over sexual assault claims. Thank you. Yes. In so which countries? This is in the U.S. This is in the U.S. Now, Uber releases what is called a U.S. safety report, where it outlines uh, assaults, sexual assault cases, incidents, mm-hmm. and rape reports. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It didn't make for pleasant reading. Five hundred. Yes. This and is this is like chronic. Yes, across mm-hmm. ac- uh, across ac- states. Across states. So that's happened. Wow. We've had a lot of reports of that in Ghana. Mm-hmm. And the the people are saying that Uber prioritized growth over over, everything else. Over dealing with these reports because Uber's mantra is safety with uh, for passengers. And so if they had decided to look at that, perhaps the company would not have grown. So they've been sued. So perhaps that's something we need to look at here as well. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Godfrey. Check on social media trends. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. At long last, the battle has ended. Episode again. Very good, bad boy. Ghana, your beloved country is free forever. Plenty questions, no answer. How come we they sell the contracts? Biggie lifestyle, small paper. You make it celebrity, they shuffle for counter. We get eyes but can't see. Bribery and corruption. Our leaders, he take it but don't give. So make a act. where you No, be you talk, say my beloved country is free forever. But still we they suffer. In Kuma, where you Welcome back to the show. It's uh, 16 minutes past 8. And I have in studio the uh, resident, is it resident representative? Resident representative of the IMF in Ghana, Dr. Albert Tuna Mama. And we're going to talk about the IMF and Ghana. Uh, just to give you a quick story that a press release that was sent a couple of, I think today or yesterday. Story on City News from IMF team concludes mission, reaffirms commitment to support Ghana. And the story says the International Monetary Fund has reaffirmed its commitment to support Ghana following the conclusion of its visit to the country. The discussions focused on improving fiscal balances in a sustainable way while protecting the vulnerable and poor, ensuring credibility of the monetary policy and exchange rate regimes, preserving financial sector stability, and designing reforms to enhance growth, create jobs, and strengthen governance. At the conclusion of the mission, the IMF team, led by its division chief, Carlo Sralevich, Sralevich, concluded that, quote, Ghana is facing a challenging economic and social situation amid an increasingly difficult global environment. The fiscal and debt situation has severely worsened following the COVID-19 pandemic. It said the global economic shock caused by the war in Ukraine is hitting Ghana at a time when the country is still recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic shock with limited room for maneuver. 
These adverse developments have contributed to slowing economic growth, accumulation of unpaid bills, a large exchange rate depreciation, and a surge in inflation. The IMF team met with His Excellency Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, Finance Minister Honorable Kenofuriata, Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Kwabena Addison. The team also met with the Parliament's Finance Committee, civil society organizations, and development partners, including UNICEF and the World Bank, to engage in social spending. So today I've invited Dr. Abetuna Mama to put all of this in context. It's been a very, very economy-heavy past three weeks where Information Minister announced that the President had directed the Minister of Finance to officially engage with the IMF following the President's meeting or phone call with the Managing Director of the IMF. Dr. Tuna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, uh, Bernard. Yeah. Is Good it morning tu- to your viewer. So uh, it's Tuna it's Mama. Yes. Is it Tuna Mama's one name or just Tuna or Mama? It has to be Tuna Mama. Tuna Mama, I see. So you've been very busy, so thank you for coming because I know it's been a very busy day for you. Uh, I think it was two Fridays ago that the uh, Information Minister of Ghana announced that the President had asked the Finance Minister to engage the IMF. So what did that mean for you being the guy running their activities here in Ghana? Uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, Bernal, let me... Um make a couple of points uh, to start and acknowledge that, uh, uh, you know, these are really uh, difficult times, um, not only in Ghana, but, but you know, uh, around the world. Um, in Ghana, uh, we've seen uh, with the latest release of uh, the inflation numbers last, uh, yesterday, at around 29.8, that uh, for the layman, I should say, um, you know, cost of living and living standards have been uh, affected uh, even more. Um, so I have a lot of uh, sympathy for, you know, all the requests uh, legitimate um, because of loss of, of real income by, by labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that inflation is, is a tax uh, uh, to the poor. Yeah. Um, so we we, um, uh, we really sympathize with that, and you know this is something that we have we have in mind. The second point that I want to make, and I've been amazed uh, since the announcement of, of you know this request by the number of uh, uh, people, you know, mm-hmm. civil so, uh, civil uh, um, uh, civil society civil society organization think tanks that have really worked really hard to explain to mm-hmm. the public. I mean. Yeah. They're making my, my life or my job easier, right? Okay. Because, uh, I mean, from Bright Simons to yourself to Professor Bokpin uh, to uh, George Raffe, I mean, really a lot of people have tried to, to explain what, mm-hmm. what that means. And, and I think that um, it's good that, you know, independent people try, you know, do, do this, this, this work. For me as a res rep, when this call uh, comes, of course, is not completely uh, unanticipated. I mean, we worked really hard to uh, have a system of what I would call early warning, where we track uh, various uh, indicators, we track the political economy, and uh, we we remain most of the time ready to the extent possible. And you know, given the data that are available, uh, to know when when that time uh, may come. So for me as a res rep. Of course, the first thing is to, um, uh, you know, be in touch with my headquarters after 
confirming that the authorities, in fact, uh, uh, have made that request. Um, try to alert uh, my team, try to alert uh, various players inside the institution that uh, Ghana has requested uh, an arrangement just, just to get the ball rolling so that everybody is on high alert. Mm. For us specifically as a team, um, and given the, the urgency, the question really was how soon can we get there first to uh, convey uh, to Ghana the importance that the International Monetary Fund uh, has for the country, mm-hmm. but also uh, to assess you know, how deep is the hole, how difficult is the situation, and, and really get, get, get started. Mm-hmm. Um, this is exactly what we, we've done. The official announcement was made on July 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first team members were uh, in Accra on, on, uh, on 5th of July, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, really, really uh, rapidly, if, if wow. I can say. So what you're saying is that based on the work you do, you should not be surprised when a country reaches out if you are doing your work well because you would have been monitoring the situation independently. So if, they are, if their request to you had come in, you're like, whoa, how did that happen? That means you failed. So essentially you are saying you are not surprised. You knew that it was within the horizons of possibility or it was quite likely. Even though, I'm, I'm, pre- I'm premising this because even though in the local discussion, the Minister of Finance and other officials had made it quite clear that they were not interested in a program at this time. I think that um, even before the announcement was made, um, you know, calls to uh, uh, to come to the fund uh, were widespread. You yeah. know, um, not by us because, you know, for us, I think that. The authorities are, you know, sovereign in, in, in making that decision, but uh, various segments, various stakeholders uh, were of the view that uh, this was a viable option given the, the, the mounting uh, problems. Um, we, of course, have more precise data, and uh, we, um, we, we, you know, we thought that this this would be a possibility, right? Des- despite, of course, uh, the, you know the the direction that the authorities uh, um, signal that that they wanted to uh, to take, uh, namely not to come to the fund. We still needed to be ready. Of course, we we cannot know um, exactly the timing and whether mm. the alternative uh, would work or would not work. But we we need to be ready. I think this is really yeah. in that sense that. Mm. Uh, you have to be ready. Now, I'm asking this because when you read your Article 4 uh, summary, your visit and then the July last year report, the tone seemed relatively positive. Let me read some highlights. While, this is an exact summary. While noting that the risk to Ghana's capacity to repay have increased, directors concur that they are still manageable and that Ghana's capacity to repay the fund remains adequate. Directors welcome the fiscal adjustment envisaged in 2021 budget. They stress that fiscal consolidation is needed to address the sustainability and rollover risks as Ghana continues to be classified as a high debt risk country. To protect the most vulnerable, considerations should be given to more progressive revenue measures and a faster return to pre-pandemic levels of spending. Directors agree that the monetary policy stance remains broadly appropriate, while noting that tighter policy would be needed if inflation pressures materialize. So my, my point is that the, the Article 4 consultation and the 
the summary did not look did not spell doom it, it almost said things are hard but the things you are doing are okay that was july last year so how come between july 2021 and july 2020 all of a sudden we've had to reach out and say guys we need you to come and help us solve our problems what went wrong um i mean the assessment is made on on a on a forward looking base and um you know we take into consideration mm. um, the plans and, and you know uh, policies that uh, uh, the authorities uh, want to put in place to address whatever vulnerability uh, mm-hmm. is there. So that's that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is that uh, um, I think the world has has changed quite uh, drastically uh, since July last year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I can name a few a few things that have happened, mm-hmm. uh, both globally and, and, and locally. I think that um, while last year, you know, there was still a, a debate globally on you know whether the amount of, of uh, fiscal stimulus push uh, by uh, bigger economies, uh, the U.S. Uh, specifically, will will generate inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, it has become now clear that. Uh, Inflation is a fact, and, and you know it's very likely that uh, this this will remain with us for a long time, and that has a lot of implication uh, for a country like Ghana, that um, you know until now had a, if I can say a business model to raise financing globally. Because mm. when inflation increases uh, that much, uh, you know the Federal Reserves uh, in the U.S. really need to tighten strongly. Mm-hmm. Therefore, make uh, U.S. assets more attractive, and you know, attract capital outside Outflow. of emerging countries, mm-hmm. right? And it, that makes uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, borrowing for a country like Ghana, even without any other shock, uh, it makes borrowing very expensive. But locally, uh, a lot has also uh, changed. Um, we've seen, uh, uh, you know, we've seen. Uh, I mean, after July, of course, you know, the the budget uh, for this year was announced mm-hmm. in, in November. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I must say that budget um, was uh, really scrutinized in, you know, giving the direction of, of uh, whether Ghana will be able to address those vulnerabilities. And I think that that was an important marker, if you recall, uh, the day the budget was announced, or the next day, we've seen uh, Ghana's eurobond spread uh, widen. Uh, I mean, to, to, to put it more um, in simple words, uh, investors started requesting a higher premium in order to, to, to lend to Ghana. Right? De facto, this was a signal that the direction that, that uh, they are seeing in the budget was not uh, unfortunately convincing for them. And uh, from there... Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, credit ratings uh, downgrade. Uh, mm. You know, we've seen a lot of uh, uncertainty around the passage of, of the E-Levy. So mm. I think that we can agree that a lot of things have happened that uh, have made, you know... Uh, so the assessment yeah. as of July 2021, while it was true, by November, December, and certainly by March of the next year, things had deteriorated pretty badly. Yes, I think that uh, 
if you read carefully our report, I mean, I, we've had that conversation before uh, at uh, I think one one of one of your shows. Mm. Um, I, of course, we always accused of um, you know casting our final assessment in a way that is very balanced. But I think that uh, uh, people that have uh, the habit of reading our reports uh, know what what to look for you know <laughs> we mean we can break the code of your 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 diplomatic speak i mean it's not just a diplomatic speak, speech right i mean ghana is an emerging uh market country one that is um you know depends quite quite integrated with, with financial markets right so you you have you need to have it's actually you know you, you are responsible uh if you have uh, communication that, that account for this fact. You don't want to have an alarmist communication and trigger a massive capital outflow, right? So, um, but at mm. the same time, you still mm. need to, 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 to put to convey. Because I, an example, for yes. example, let me give you something. You said directors noted that the financial sector cleanup had made the sector more resilient, but stressed that banks' growing holding of sovereign debt creates risks and crowded private sector. Basically, you're saying. The government is borrowing too much from these banks. So even though the 2017-2018 financial sector cleanup is good, when you look at the loan book of these banks, they are too exposed to the government. So if something were to happen and government cannot pay, the banking sector will be threatened. This is what I would say in English. But you have said banks' growing holding of sovereign debt creates risks and crowd out private sector credit. I mean, somebody say, what does that even mean? You know, why yeah, do you? I mean, why, why is it that you, you, you've said it's because you don't want to send out an alarmist uh, mind uh, in communication, so that maybe the markets may overreact? But is there not a sense in which that may not make the point more rigorously, vigorously to a government? I mean, or they understand. Let, let me say that uh, you know there is always uh, an ad memoir that we leave with, with uh, the, the, you know the the top uh, policymakers. I mean, the report that is published is is let's let's face it is a is a, a light version and and more um, crafted version in terms of of how to communicate. Um, but the report that uh, we live with, you know, with the top policymakers is is very candid, um, very direct, and and uh, you know, some may say sometimes uh, uh, perhaps too alarmist, but I think that. Um, we will not do our job appropriately if if we don't flag the risk to mm. um, you know the ultimate uh, uh, decision makers when it comes to the management of the economy. Okay, that, uh, let me put it this way. Good. So let's just go back. We've announced an IMF program. We've done this at least some people seventeen, some say sixteen times. Why do we have to go through all the meetings and all the like? We we are in dire stress. We say IMF come and sort us out. You've been based here for years, so why don't you just come and say Ghana? You need three billion dollars. Here is three billion dollars. Sort yourself out. Pay when you're ready. Why does it have to have a mission? Come, go, come, go, come. January, before you even think about whether you're even going to give us any money at all. I think it's a good question, and and you know, uh, one that um, uh, we uh, we get. Uh, I guess quite often. Um, first thing first, it's important to uh, you know 
find out what's exactly the, the nature of, of, of the problem that, that has led to a request for a program. Um, we lend typically uh, to uh, support, uh, you know, I mean, I'll say the balance of payment, but I think what's important is what, what trigger the balance of payment need, right? Um, therefore, we need to... Uh, as part of our due diligence, uh, find out really to, to the details what is generating that, right? I mean, you can have a situation that um, is uh, really transitory, created just by a, a massive shock and, you know, for a reason that um, that is perhaps beyond the control of, of, of the country, mm-hmm. uh, some financing are just not materializing without having, uh, let's say, a domestic problem that that, that is obvious. And, uh, you know, you can think of, of uh, a natural disaster. You can think of, of uh, let's say, even the pandemic, right? I mean, you've seen that during the pandemic, we've deployed uh, a specific type of instrument called the rapid credit facility, mm-hmm. you know, um, Disbursement on the spot, uh, a lump sum disbursement for a need that 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 has emerged uh, because of of a, of, of a shock of, of this nature, mm-hmm. you know. So that's that's one type of of uh, of. Uh, you of you want to est- what what you're saying is that you want to be sure that the way the government sees its problem is the way the fund sees the problem. That's what you mean by you want to establish the nature of the cause. So you want to be sure that. What went wrong from the two sides? You agree that this is what went wrong? Uh, yes. I mean, you know, let, let me let me get to that. I mean, I, I start by taking the case of of the the rapid credit facility, uh-huh. right? And um, you know, there it was it was an actual shock, an mm-hmm. urgent uh, need, and uh, it took us uh, uh, basically around four weeks to to complete the operation. Right, because it was clear there was really um, no need to to do any more due diligence because we've been battling that with some other member member countries since uh, December uh, 2019. So we knew the nature of the shock. So uh, it was clear to us that uh, a rapid disbursement was was uh, what what uh, what was uh, required. What was required. Mm. But you can also have. Um, uh, balance of payment needs, you know, coming from uh, what I'll call more more uh, structural issues, right? And I think that's that's the case we are in mm. uh, in Ghana. And for these cases, the expectation is that um, you know a rapid disbursement mm. will not solve the problem, right? You, you really need to go into those structural issues uh, in order to to solve uh, uh, that need and be sure that after a couple of years, um, the country is back to uh, some sort of an equilibrium. Mm. And um, I mean, it sounds easy in, in practice, but we, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it sounds it sounds easy, but what we need to do in this uh, case is really to have um, a lot of experts looking at, you know. Spending controls, PFM, uh, domestic revenue mobilization, really in in in, in uh, down to the details, in order to have a set of of levers that uh, can be uh, 
tracked during the program and can be put at, at as as targets for the government to achieve, right? Mm. And it takes a lot of work. So that's that's just the aspect of not only the assessment but also designing the program itself. Mm. But there is also the aspect of uh, the the policies of of the fund. Um, we need to you know to land consistent with a set of internal policies that that uh, the fund has, I, and I think one that has been uh, quite discussed uh, here in the media is, for example, that we cannot land in, into an unsustainable situation, right? So, therefore, there are a lot of discussions around, uh, you know, how, how to, I mean, I'm not saying that that's, that's the world we are in. We've not made that determination uh, uh, yet, but uh, this is a policy, right? This is a policy, and therefore, uh, we need to, uh, in our discussions, find ways uh, to, uh, to be able to lend to the country. So that's that's one t- one type of uh, of uh, of lending as well, and we need to do our due diligence to to get to that. If point. I get you right, whatever you do has to agree with your internal policy as IMF, and one of your policies is that you cannot lend to a country which has an unsustainable debt. Mm-hmm. So you have to establish whether the debt we have is sustainable. Again, break it down. If you say a debt is sustainable, what does it mean? Or if a debt is unsustainable, what does it mean in English? Um, if we say debt is, is sustainable, it means that uh, it can be serviced without uh, having to take measures that are detrimental both to your, 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 your social environment and your growth environment. For example, if you need to cut all government programs in order to service your debt and therefore, uh, you know, have uh, undue pressures on 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 your social spending. Uh, therefore, you know, just just to service the debt, right? Th- therefore, uh, perhaps your debt is not sustainable. It's not at the level that you can you can sustain it. To 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 put it uh, simply, right? So, um, uh, you know, the opposite is, of course, if it's unsustainable. If it's uh, sustainable, you should be able to run your government. Uh, without much stress, while still servicing but, your but debt. If my, but but no, if, my, if my debt were sustainable, I wouldn't come to you. I mean, I'm being very simplistic here. Mm-hmm. As in, if <laughs> if what you just said is true, in terms of sustainability in that simple sense, then why would a country come to IMF? Is it that, that, that is, is that, that's a technical term of art? And it's not just English language. Because from the way I see it, if my, I'm in a sustainable debt position, there's no reason why I should come to IMF and say, come and sort me out. So I'm coming to you because I am... <laughs> do you understand? I, I, yeah, I do understand. But the problems are not just uh, about the, the debt, right, for a typical economy. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, what we learn for is... Uh, First and foremost, for to sustain the, the balance of payment, basically you know, the balance between you know, what you export. I mean, uh, very simplistically, uh, and, and and what you import, right? So you can have uh, an imbalance there for mm. other reasons than than just having a debt that is not sustainable, right? You can uh, you can be in a situation where um, you know the the you. Your imports are too big, mm. either because the banking system is lending too much, mm-hmm. and therefore you are approaching us 
to help you structure a program such that banks will not lend too much. And, uh -huh. you know, as you do that, you still need to cover your balance of payment. Therefore, you need the funding that we bring. So this is a situation where it has nothing to do with uh, the, the, the government itself, but more with the financial system uh, that still requires the IMF to come and bridge that gap in your balance of payment and design mm. uh, structural reforms uh, such that the banking system will have a, a more appropriate level yeah. of, of, of lending. So, but if I understand you correctly, it means that it is not automatic that we will get any money from you until you do a debt sustainability analysis and conclude that our debt is sustainable. We may not get any money from you. Um, well, it, typically, when, when that is established, right, uh, Mm -hmm. we, we we um we we still do our um we still continue to design a program right okay we design the program and uh we get to an agreement but we also uh indicate to uh to the the government in question that they need to find a way uh to uh to make it sustainable it's not that we just stop the work and we say look we've established that that is unsustainable and therefore wow. uh you know but it takes it takes uh that's why it takes it takes a while right to get to get to a program i mean for situations where uh the balance of payment need mm. is 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 coming from structural issues um it takes a few months mm. to, to reach a deal and uh of course if there there there's an issue also with that being uh, unsustainable we also need to wait for uh, the government in question Wow. to find a way to make it sustainable. This is the case for Zambia right now, right? We've agreed at the staff level of what the program will look like, mm. how much money we'll, we'll give, what are the, the targets that they will have to achieve over three years. But the, the Zambian authorities are working with their creditors to make the debt sustainable, right? To get some debt relief, to restructure the debt in such a way that perhaps they'll, 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 they'll mm. reprofile re the debt, yeah. the, the, the debt, and, you know, once we've made the assessment that this is enough for the debt going forward to be sustainable, uh, we transfer the file to our executive board and uh, we can reach wow. board approval. This is City Breakfast Show 845. Guest Dr. Albertuna Mama, he's the resident rep for the IMF. The mission uh, just left, I think they left last night. This is the first visit of probably four or five, we don't know to provide balance of payment support for Ghana, trying to just establish the basis around which they work. We've learned a few things today. Essentially that uh, the conditions in Ghana have deteriorated pretty badly between 2021 20, July and now, some external, some domestic. And also the two sides must agree on the nature of the problem to determine the design of the program. And also we've established that it is not automatic that once the IMF comes in, you're going to get any money. Because it, you, your debts have to be in a sustainable way. Just a side question. Is, could this be why Sri Lanka has gone where it went? Because I, I, was, I thought with all the problems we were facing, they would have approached and possibly did approach the IMF. And it's, I don't know whether it's because it's taking time or whether you people don't think they're in a position to pay. I'm not sure if they're on an IMF program as we speak, are they? Would you no, know? They, they are not on an IMF program. They've probably waited uh, too long uh, to approach us. Yes, it's, it's, it's a case where that is not sustainable and where they need to work with their creditors but it's also a case where 
they've waited so long that uh, they've run out of of, uh, of dollars to pay for uh, critical goods like fuel imports and 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 and, uh, and medicines, and and uh, because of that, that has had some uh, major social repercussion, mm. right? People went on the street, and eventually. Uh, uh, the government had, uh, I mean, a few key members had to resign mm. uh, until we saw a couple of days ago, uh, you know, the president also is is is, uh, is under pressure to resign. So, therefore, you have, a, on top of the debt being unsustainable, you also have a problem of uh, who are your counterparts? Can you actually negotiate an agreement that will be, uh, that will have people to execute it, right? In the case of Sri Lanka, uh, I think that half of the, the, the ministers have, have, have uh, had to resign, so there's no. Um, perhaps they will need to have a, mm. a, you know a new parliament in place. So you need to have the necessary uh, condition in order to execute the program, right? So, well, but that's, that's interesting because uh, some of us would have thought that being a member of the IMF and being perceived as a land of last resort, if a country is in such dark fiscal straits, this is where the IMF would probably come up with a, an emergency relief package to to, to 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 prevent them from imploding. But you're you're basically not doing that. So that 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 I, I I'm not sure if it's because I have a wrong perception of the IMF or whether it's because their contribution is so small that they are not entitled to so much. So based on where they are, you can't give them anything. You've seen during the pandemic that uh, this is exactly what we've done, right? I think for a lot of countries, uh, the only uh, source of financing that re they received in 2020 uh, was from, you know, either the rapid credit facility or the, the rapid uh, uh, financing instrument, uh, basically emergency financing because of, of the conditions. Um, in the case of Sri Lanka, um, it's pretty clear that the the needs are structural in nature, right? And uh, that's that's the first thing. So injecting a billion dollar—I mean, I don't even know what's what's the size of of access that they have—will not solve the problem because it's, it's just going to be burned, uh, you know, uh, uh, for a couple of months, and they will need to be an, another another injection, right? Mm. But I think this is. Um, it's like, uh, uh, I think I made that point before. It's, we are almost like a, a credit union for countries. This is revolving money, right? We need to be able to lend in such a way, a way that the money is paid back. Mm. Because uh, when there is another crisis, it will be important that other members can find money in, in the mm. pot, right? It, these are not crimes. It's true, but people accuse the IMF of being selective. For example, when Greece had a major problem a few years back, the... The fund bent over backwards to give them much more money than they would typically give a non-European country. And a lot of people felt it was because Greeks being a member of the EU, the Eurozone, they didn't want to risk contagion. So they gave Greece much more money than its fiscals would typically entitle them. But Sri Lanka or whichever country, you are not in Europe. So you are not. So basically that's the accusation that you are, you are very selective in how you support how you choose to support countries based on how close they are to Europe and America? I mean, I would not say that that's, you know, I, I, I don't think that first is the, it's not the same uh, situation. And, you know, in, in the, 
in the case of Sri Lanka, um, uh, I think behind closed doors, you know, we've been signaling for the longest time that, look, at, at this pace, uh, you, you will need to address the situation a, a, bit, a bit faster. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, that's not the, the direction that was taken. Uh, and therefore, uh, you know, the country was, was put in a corner and, you know, to a point where it was no longer possible to, to just disperse the money when they needed it, right? But I think we are, I believe, on record to, uh, you know, indicate to, to the policymakers that the pace at which things are going is, is really not right. We, we should better work on this, on this, on this right now. So, uh, that's the first thing. I think in the case of Greece, you know, I don't recall the details of, of uh, their engagement, but you were something that is quite important when, when you go, uh, uh, you make a program request. And that I think at the time was, uh, taken into consideration by the fund is the potential for spillover beyond just the country. And I think the discussions uh, around the, dis- the, 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 the program that we had with, with Greece had far-reaching implication for the European Union and, and for the world, because if, if we take it as a block, uh, you know, this is one of the, the as a block, right, one, one of the biggest economy. Uh, but in, that's the, the point world. I'm making, that but Greece is the third largest borrower uh, from what, the IMF. Yet when, saying, when, I'm you know, just saying that the, the, the fund doesn't treat... It's not fair. You, you you choose how to support countries based on the the, the 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 I won't use the word whim, but basically based on how the power b- brokers in the fund feel about countries. I think in both countries we were willing to lend, right? I, I okay. think the the question is not whether uh, whether or not we want to lend to to Sri Lanka. We want mm-hmm. to lend to Sri Lanka, but we've passed. We've passed uh, a point where certain policies have to kick in, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in Greece, we also were willing to lend, but they had to to take you know very drastic uh, uh, measures, right? To 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 get it. It's not like this was a free program where uh, mm. you know you just take the money and run. Because if if I follow you uh, correctly, mm. you you think that this is what should be happening with Sri Lanka. What we're saying is. Uh, it's important to have a package in place, just like we had a package of reforms. In, in, I don't think that the Greek saw that program as one that was favoring them, right? So, uh, you know, as you may no, say, no, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying yeah. that I'm not saying you should give so, uh, uh, the same money you gave Greece. I'm just saying that the 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 level of Greece's debt to you, they are the third at the time, apart from Ukraine and Argentina, Greece owed IMF the most money. They were in dire economic streets, but it's they were a, able a, to get... It's a bigger the, the, economy. It's a bigger economy. So we land in proportion of, of the size I of see. the country. I, I mean, you know, we won't, we won't give... Uh, if uh, Sri Lanka's economy has, uh, I don't know, $100 billion size, we won't lend the same amount as, as we did in Greece, I think, which was, what, $50 billion? So that means Sri Lanka's need is even smaller. If, if, if Sri Lanka's a smaller economy... Anyway, I'm not pushing. This is really what people have said, but no problem. Let's come back to Ghana's situation. So the, the view is that this may take time. We've had a first meeting. Do you give yourself the next date? So, for example, the team left yesterday, which is July 13. Do we already know when you're, they are coming back, or that depends on what happens? 
Um, uh, the answer is, is, is no, we, we don't know uh, yet. Um, we, uh, we had uh, really constructive uh, uh, meetings, uh, really good cooperation with, uh, with uh, the staff at both the Ministry of Finance and, and, uh, and uh, the Central Bank. Okay. Uh, we made uh, important progress in, in really understanding uh, the economic situation mm-hmm. um, and also uh, starting to talk about you know what needs to happen between now and the time when uh, an IMF program is, is, is agreed mm-hmm. but also what could be just broadly the elements of of, uh, of, of that IMF program in terms of what, what needs to change in the structure of, of the Ghanaian economy. Of course this was informed by the enhanced uh, domestic program that uh, uh, the Minister of Finance is, is, is working on. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I see a lot of uh, expectations that, uh, you know, these negotiations need to happen fast. Mm-hmm. But let, let me just bring you back to the last program uh, with Ghana, mm-hmm. the extended credit facility that was signed in, in, in 2015. Mm-hmm. We received the call uh, or the request uh, for a program uh, I think in early August uh, 2014, mm-hmm. and it's only in April uh, 2015 that the program was was agreed by our board, right? So it, it gives you, yeah. you know, it gives you a sense of of uh, how much work uh, need to go uh, into this. So that's seven to eight months, uh, more or seven less. Seven to eight months. Seven to eight months more. Wow. So I, I think that's that's. Mm. Uh, it, it gives you just uh, what I'm trying to say is that mm-hmm. we don't expect that we'll get the deal next month, right? There's still some 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 work to do, uh-huh. and um, what what is agreed on is of course to continue to work. Uh-huh. You know, uh, my colleagues uh, went back to Washington, but in the coming weeks we'll still be having some uh, virtual mm. discussions. Um, in a couple of weeks, there will be teams, uh, experts coming here to mm. work on, you know, public financial management, look at the tax policy, uh, uh, an overview of the tax policy, um, in, wow. in various, various other, other, other sectors of, of, uh, of, uh, of the economy. Um, mm. We also have additional data, of course, that we need to, uh, to gather and mm. to analyze. So it, 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 it takes time. I see. But I think that... The, the next milestone for us, mm. without putting a date, right, is once we have a sense that we have a good enough uh, grasp of, you know, the situation and also the policies that uh, need to be put in place, mm-hmm. we put together the first, uh, what we call the policy note. Mm. It's like our mandate within the institution mm. of what we should be doing to address the situation. Mm. So as a team, we put together this document and uh, we we have what we call a policy consultation meeting internally, mm-hmm. where departments or experts within the institution challenge us or challenge our assumptions and the policy that we've agreed or we, we think could work, I mm-hmm. should say, uh, based on their experience in, in other member countries. And we have mm-hmm. 190 members. We've, mm-hmm. we've, we've been doing that for quite some time. So mm-hmm. um, it's important that whatever we recommend is, is really but just tested. to go back quickly something yeah. uh, Maxwell Akalari of the Daily Graphics yesterday wrote a story which I just want to comment so his story basically says that the talks came to an end 
with debt and arrears accumulation emerging as the most contentious issues. Is he correct? Uh, no, I, 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 unfortunately not. I, I don't think that there was anything contentious. Uh, we know, we know that debt uh, is an important uh, uh, part of, of mm. uh, you know, will be an important part of this program. Uh-huh. But I, I would not say anything was contentious. I think that, uh, uh, you know, so the you, counterpart... You disagree with the word contentious. But I think his point was that the two... So maybe let me rephrase. Mm-hmm. The two most important sets of data that need to be properly reconciled will be debt and arrears. I mean, rightfully so. No, I, I think that uh, the, the challenge when you know uh, you run uh, uh, you know an economy mm. like Ghana, you of course have a central government, right? And I think for central government. We have, a, a, I think, a close to, let's say, very accurate view of, of what are the liabilities. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you go outside of, of, of central government, and even sometimes within central government, when you go into, you know, MDAs, there may be other other liabilities or arrears or unpaid bills that, that we, we need to work on. I will, need, I will not say that this is contentious. This is just a work that, that, uh, that has to be done. Right, so mm. um, this is part of the process. I, I don't think that uh, I have to say this was a very smooth uh, mission. Right, mm. we work extremely hard mm. on both sides, and uh, you know, both sides. I mean, the authorities or the technical staff re- very, very forthcoming. Mm. So you know, they, there was really no such thing as uh, this was not disclosed and so forth. I think we have a, we have a. I would say. A good view at ninety percent of 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 potentially the liabilities that are out, uh, out there, right? Mm. But we still need to to uh, be sure that we've been. Uh, Is the IMF does the IMF not have any emotional issues with the finance minister's posture before? Because in the news he he he, mis- he we've heard him many times that he said we wouldn't go for an IMF program and he didn't think it was good for us. So when the team met, he was there. We, we don't. Can you share? We don't work with emotions. Uh, I, I think that we are we are uh, highly trained uh, professionals. We understand uh, the politics. I, I think that. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm I'm here. And I think throughout this episode, you've not heard anything. Uh, you know, any pronouncement from from us, right? So, you know, we understood exactly what was happening. You didn't take it personal. It's never personal. It's never personal. It's never personal. But is there a way in which the domestic politics makes the work harder? Um. I think when you take such a decision, right, after, uh, I mean, when you take such a U-turn, I believe that uh, you need to work really hard internally mm. to bring back or to bring, you know, bring along your, your, your um, uh, you know, your government or, you know, people that have followed you in, 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 uh, in uh, this pronouncement that, look, we not go to the IMF. So you need really to do a lot of explanation and explaining, I should say. So I have no doubt about that. But I think something that was really uh, reassuring when we met the, the finance committee, right? That was uh, yesterday. That was, uh, that, no, Tuesday. No, that was Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Tuesday at, at, I think, uh, 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the... 
member of, of parliament, uh, members of parliament for, for, um, you know, the, the NPP gave us the assurance that uh, now that they've, they've made that decision, they are fully on board and they will give their best for it to be a success. So I, I, to me, that was... That what did was, the NDC members say? I mean, of course, they, they will, um, they understand. And I think that was also uh, quite, uh, um, uh, you know, good to see. They understand the, the, the nature of, of the problem, right? So they will want it to be solved. And if they believe that uh, a program is... is um, is uh, the best way to do it. Of course, they'll support it. And I think they, uh, in that meeting, um, mentioned again the statement by uh, the former uh, uh, president that it was in support of a program. So we know, right, given the, the context we are in, uh, this, this bipartisan support uh, is crucial if, if, if you know, we, we were to have a successful uh, mm. way forward. So... You know that's that's all that that's important. So that the, the meeting in Parliament was was positive, although the emphasis from the NDC MPs was obviously different from the NDC MPs. The emphasis in terms of because they've said that they think that the government mismanaged the COVID expenditure, for example, and I'm sure they pointed that out to you in the meeting that they would ask you to scrutinize that. We we have our you know due diligence. We have a you know a, a tested uh, uh, approach to to these issues. You know we uh, we won't diverge from that, uh, but uh, I think we are fairly confident that uh, uh, you know we will eventually reach a deal that that is uh, first helpful in terms of uh, mm. restoring macroeconomic stability that, that yeah. has been lost, mm. but also, you know, anchoring uh, uh, yeah. that sustainability, right? Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that, that's what's critical. A few other things. In the lead-up to this meeting, organized labor has been agitating quite seriously. As we know, four teacher unions are on strike. Senior staff of Ghana's universities have joined the strike. Doctors and nurses have threatened to do the same. The Ministry of Employment and Ministry of Finance is meeting organized labor to try and avert a total grinding to a halt of the public sector. What, I mean, it obviously complicates the, the, the missions. It work. does, it does, it does. And, uh, you know, I, I start by, uh, you know, um, kind of empathizing with, with uh, you know, all this social aspect that, that is, 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 is legitimate, right? Uh, you know, I, I think that um, there is a, it's critical to have, uh, uh, you know, uh, a process to, to build consensus around a program to be successful. Uh, I may recall that uh, in the last program, um, even before the request, there was kind of uh, a wide uh, uh, consultation, I, I think the, the, the century consensus, you know, with various parts of the economy, I think labor, um, civil society to to agree on what was important but also mm. i guess to indicate and acknowledge that the situation was difficult mm. uh, you know so it's important that for this uh program request as well and mm. I, that that will really be a really a strong call mm -hmm. that there is a way uh to have you know broad consultations, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we, we, we also flagged that in our press release uh, uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's important to 
to, as a country to decide what are the priorities, what mm. are the sacrifices that, that need to happen, what, what kind of, of accountability mm. right, also, also need to be in place. Um, we really see that as, as uh, critical mm. to, to be able to deliver and, and turn around uh, the situation. So mm. um, that, that would be, uh, that would be a, a positive way forward. But are you concerned that how organized labor doesn't seem to generally trust the IMF, which is why almost all the labor groups... In fact, the TUC said they didn't want us to go on an IMF program. They still don't think it's a good idea. And it seems as if the announcement... Of course, the inflation and everything was high, but it seems as if the announcement of the IMF meeting program has almost always, almost as if it's, it's whipped the labor unions into action into to say we need you to give us our cola now because we think that after the, these guys come in, there's no way you're going to increase anything for us. I think a thirty percent uh, inflation is is a high enough incentive to to uh, to be more force, forceful in, in you know. Mm. Uh, requesting for uh, an improving in the cost of, of living allowance, I you know, I don't necessarily put that. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not too sure that 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 was the trigger, right? You don't you think know, so? We've, we've seen, we've seen late last year, right? We've seen already uh, some. Uh, was it? Uh, I think the teachers, right? Last yeah. year. They are to 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 stop. Uh, that was Utah. Utah went Utah, on strike. Yes. yes. So that was even before we, we, we you know there was any talk of, of a program. So I will not. Yeah. I don't necessarily see a correlation here. Yes, of course. Um, I've heard, you know, several mentions of of the fact that typically under an IMF pro, a program with the IMF, I should say. Um, you have wage freeze and and so forth. But we agree on an envelope. We don't. You know, we don't necessarily put uh, conditions on on the wage bill, and within an envelope, you know. But we know what there'll be, there'll be some. So let, <laughs> let me finish on this point. There'll be some some sacrifice, but I think yeah. something that we we uh, we make a point of of achieving mm. is to safeguard social spending, right? We need to carve a space for programs like LEAP. For programs that you know are effective in, in protecting uh, the most vulnerable, I think that that's that's non-negotiable. And during yeah. this mission, we start doing our homework on that on that front. You know, talking uh-huh. to UNICEF, talking to the World Bank, talking to you know uh, development partners that are very active in, in that field, just yeah. just to gather additional knowledge. But this is something that going forward mm. uh, during our discussion will be. Yeah. Make we'll be sure we'll make sure that we, yeah. we carve but that. Certainly, space. one contentious point is social spending programs, and the government has been at pains to say that they would not cancel free SHS, which is a large expenditure item. Again, they've been ha- they've been forced to say that a bit louder before your meeting because there's a view that some of the expenditures but, but are, are, are. I'm not going to do this. I'm just asking. Like yeah. they, so some people feel that. These, because we know the IMF policy basket, we know that yeah. it's either an EFF or an ECF, and you have a, yes. a long history sure, of what you sure. prescribe. So it's not as if you are going to create a new solution that much. So my point is that when things like free SHS, the ministers come out and preemptively say free SHS will not be touched. Again, how does that affect? Because you are now trying to ascertain the problem, and mm-hmm. yet the government is being forced to tell citizens that free SHS is not going to go. This is not going to go. Now, you know, two things. The first, it's 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 important to uh, to um, 
to say that uh, you know free SHS is 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 a, is, is a, is a, is a re revolutionary policy, mm -hmm. right? So why cancel it? So it, it to me, I, I don't even you know it's not even clear why that conversation. It doesn't mean that is perfectly sustainable and efficient now. So so that's a different conversation. But as for the policy. I really don't see why it needs to be cancelled. I mean, secondary education, as we know, and we've seen for, for, for a lot of studies, is, is correlated with uh, a better uh, economic development path, right? So to me, there's no debate on whether the policy, uh, uh, you know, needs to stay. The debate is more on, you know, how do we make it sustainable and how do we make sure that uh, we achieve efficiency gains there? Mm. And, and I think... As in any 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 negotiation, it, it's you know I would say it's good to go with uh, uh, you know really an open mind about about this thing. So we've we've just getting started, right? Mm. And I think that uh, in terms of taking a second look at where are the leakages, are we achieving uh, 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 the impact that we want? We really need to you know allow ourselves to think through everything and mm. and there and decide okay where do we draw the line. And uh, the line will not be on on, on cancelling the free SHS. Mm. That that, yeah. that just a final me. point. I know you've stayed for a long time, so thank you so much for your time. The, the, a, a group did a debt sustainability analysis of Ghana for the past twenty years, and I think the main point there is that since two thousand and seven, Ghana has started taking on more expensive debt, and they are talking about going to the capital markets, the international bond market. We've borrowed almost thirteen billion dollars from from that 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 type of borrowing. I mean, 20 years ago, most of our debts were from Paris Club, much more responsible lending. I mean, and I'm asking as a general question, doesn't, does the IMF not worry about the, the nature of debt countries like Ghana take on, whether it's sustainable for them? Because at, at the end of the day, if you, are, if you are borrowing from countries on a bilateral level or you are borrowing from international multilateral lenders, it's not that bad. But if you go to the bond market, you don't know who's even behind the money and you're having to pay close to double digit rates i mean isn't the imf as an institution concerned about these forays into the the the, the bond market generally i mean first i mean I, I guess the first thing is why i mean why some countries are are, are tapping the bond market i don't think it's a bad thing per se um because mm. the the availability of, of uh, funds from bilateral sources uh, is not what it used to be, right? And as as you grow and you reach uh, a middle income level, those those sources of paper. funding may may not be there, right? Mm. So, therefore, in my view, the question is more on um, how much. Right? How much uh, uh, do you need to borrow from these alternative sources, and uh, what is the use of fund that that you make with, with uh, you know the money that you raise from from the eurobond market? Right. So it's it's more a question of how much debt or commercial debt is good, and uh, what's the use of funds uh, in order to repay that. Right. So, but these these markets are there for a reason. And uh, you know, given the infrastructure, <laughs> given the infrastructure needs of of our countries and yeah. development and need, you cannot possibly think that 
our countries, I mean, when I say our countries in, in, in Africa, uh, can develop just on the basis of, 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 of But don't we, don't we need more things like the Asian Development Bank, African Development Bank to be stronger because they seem to do more responsible lending than simply... The, and I'm, this, these questions I'm asking are not even related to Ghana necessarily because you work with the IMF and you're an ex- ex- senior economist there. So my concern with the IMF is that you don't seem to see anything wrong with these forays by resource-intensive countries into these bond markets, which essentially have destroyed countries. If this, I mean, I, mean, I, I, will, I, I will not be, I will not be so categorical. I think it's, it's the, it's the quantum, right? It's how much debt uh, you you take, right? So, but I agree with you that uh, uh, strengthening the African Development Bank will be, uh, will be, uh, uh, will be great. I, I, and I think there's, there's some work there. Uh, I'm not sure. I think you covered. Uh, their um, yeah, yeah. annual meetings, uh, and, was, you know. Yeah, we're there. Yeah, so you know, uh, there were a lot of conversations around how to increase uh, uh, their firepower, and and hopefully uh, this this uh, I hope this will be successful, because I agree that short of of you know raising bilateral financing, uh, raising financing from mm. regional banks like uh, AFTB. Is, is is the next next best thing, right? Or or it's the first best thing, I should say. Mm. Um, but again, you know, I I, w- I want I don't want to um, to portray the urban market as as this heavy. I mean, you have countries like let's say Senegal or Benin, right? Uh, that have really good uh, credit ratings. They issue a eurobond once every I don't know two three years, and it's not a problem for them. Right. So, again, what's the use of funds that are raised that are, you know, if you raise a, a bond at 4 percent or 5 percent interest rate like like Senegal, are you creating a return that is big enough? That's the real question. I mean, for Ghana, it's ob- it was obviously a bit a bit higher, but there is also a way to improve your your the interest rate that you pay, you pay. Right. So and this 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 uh, this is done through how much um uh, fiscally uh, 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 good, your, your, I mean, how much, how good are, are your, your your public finance, right? I think mm. that you have a strong correlation between mm. how much debt, how much deficit you have, with how big is the I interest see. rate that you pay. Before you go, some people are wondering how close we are to Sri Lanka <laughs> in Ghana's situation, based on what you've seen about the the our numbers. Are no, we? I, I think it's a dangerous parallel to make. I, I think. Uh, um, you know, we. Uh, I think it was the right decision to uh, to uh, to uh, and a very brave decision. Let, let, let me say it right. You know, to reverse course and and uh, and, and you know come come uh, to the fund. Mm. Uh, we are really committed to uh, to make it work. Mm. And uh, you know, I don't want to draw any parallel with uh, a situation that is very very uh, painful. So we came at the right time. And you don't think we will get there? That's not the expectation, not at all, I not see. at all, right? I, I think we, we, we. I think that's heartwarming. I think people needed to hear that that maybe the, the fact that it was a difficult decision but was taken on a timely basis means that maybe much more evil can be averted. So that's a good thing. Hopefully, but when there, it, there, 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 there are a lot of things that need to happen uh, between now and and, and the mm. deal. And uh, I saw yesterday uh, uh, another really good article by Bright Simon. Yeah. S- Simons, and you know, uh, 
before the first money uh, actually uh, you know we, we, we bring the first dollar there are a lot of things that, that have to happen to, yeah I think it's a lot of hard work to, to thank you you're, you're a busy man so to even allow one hour here I appreciate it thank you very much Dr. Albertuna Mama uh, I'm not even sure he has one hour to spend teaching his kids homework <laughs> but so thank you for answering all our questions on the show uh, we wish you well and hopefully if there's any new information you want to put across we'll be happy to receive it Wow. We'll be right back with more. Girlfriend and the team will be here to break down some of the issues and take your comments as well. Stay with us. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. This is the, the City Breakfast Show. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise.
Seven minutes fast nine still on city breakfast show that was dr albert tuna mama can you guess where he's from cameroon how did you know because i asked him okay if, <laughs> if, if you didn't know could you have told from his name um i um no the name did not give it away but yeah. when he spoke i guessed he, he probably had a bit of a francophone but i know what's interesting about cameroon they are like 20 percent anglophone 80 percent francophone yes, yes, so yes. A lot of Cameroonians speak English. In fact, a lot of Francophones I, I meet speak very good English. And they seem to have an advantage over us in the international organizations yes, because they... So the, the few of our people who speak French do very well. So if you hear like even Chambas or Kofi Annan or K.Y. Amuako speaking French, you realize actually... Ambassador D.K. D.O.S.A.I. So, yeah, so you, you have a career in diplomacy ahead of you. <laughs> it, would, it would be fun. Yeah, it would be, it would be nice. It would be good. So, but, that, but, 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 but my next chapter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting conversation. What did you think? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was quite interesting, the fact that we had the IMF country rep here yep. detailing what exactly all of this means, the way forward, all the all the conversation. I'm, I'm happy that at least we have the IMF speaking. Yes. It is yes. very important because yes. they are the ones who yes. are supervising yes. us on this very complicated... And, and, I, and I need training. to commend this resident rep because he, he more than most has been... Uh, more open to the media, oh, yeah. and I and I think it's also a sign of the times. I think he understands the society we're in. He understands the way Ghana politics works, and the fact that information is critical. He tweets. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He tweets sometimes. He, he he tries to be proactive with his information because I'm sure he feels if you wait till things get out of hand and post that, no, no, no. don't create an information yes, vacuum. Yes, 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 yes. So and I, and that's interesting because for somebody like you or people in the diplomatic community, engaging media has been very. It's different. Yes, yes. Different. For many years, different. Yeah, the diplomats have always stayed away. Yes, but the new age is yes. demanding that they are a bit more open. Yes, a bit more upfront. Yes, and even a bit more proactive than yes. reactive. If you think about the tweet of the High Commissioner yes. for the UK, don't, for don't example. wait for the situation yeah. to come to you. Can yeah. try and attack this. And I think they also feel that they have to reach more publics than just the government. No, no, no. So if you think about John Benjamin. A lot of people had complaints about the way he was <laughs> doing what he did. But you know what's, what's funny? When John Benjamin left Ghana, you know he had his, his um, English, British, and yeah. he, he was in Chile. He was actually sent to the Foreign and Commonwealth Office to, yes, to train, train diplomats. 
you know, in, in, in this new age. And it's important that so they I, I'm wondering <laughs> <laughs> what he will say to them about Twitter. <laughs> you know, how... How you how they should, because it's for you somebody like you who's basically interested in some of these mm-hmm. things. I think some of the notes you learned, if you ask your lectures, will say the world has changed. Oh, the world has changed. Very, I remember, very, very, I remember Ambassador used to tell us always that the world has, this was back 2012, 2013. He tells us the world has changed. So diplomats mm-hmm. need to embrace yeah. the new modes of communication, yeah. how yeah. to speak to the world, how yeah. to speak to the people. Yeah you want to, 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 whose attention you want. So yeah. it's, it's critical. And I'm happy that, yeah. you know, Dr. Tunamama came here. Yeah. He opened, he answered all the questions. Yeah. And no, uh, no holds bad. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's critical. It's critical. Well, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't like no holds bad, no holds bad, but at least it was, at least me, on, me being on, my, my diplomatic yes, best. On, on, on what <laughs> we wanted my, answers. My, my best diplomatic you behavior. Know, he, he, he gave us yeah. So, let's go that the interview be replayed. It has to. It has to because I, I think that it's a privilege to have some of these interviews done and we must make it available at various on various platforms so that uh, people can um, un- understand what is really going on. I mean, look, if IMF is meeting Ghana and mm-hmm. all we hear are civil society people talking. And governments talking. It means they're talking around the issue. And if only government, so government is talking from one side of the issue. Yeah. So now we have a more realistic understanding of what is really going on. So a couple of things I picked. This is not going to be as quick as we thought. Yes. It's probably going to be first quarter 2023. Yes. Second thing is that it's not straightforward. Even though coming going to the IMF has brought some comfort to Ghana on the markets, you 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 are not it's There's not nothing automatic about this. Yes, the, it's it's not even There's clear no quick fix. whether you're even going to get any money. Yes. So, because the debt question you spoke about, and the other issues have to be resolved, so that's the second point there. And of course, I also try to raise general concerns about the way the IMF works. Mm. Of course, maybe when I meet the director herself, and I'm privileged to ask her one question, I know what to ask mm. because I think the IMF itself needs to 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 take a strong look at itself and what it does in in certain countries, right? Because if you think about Sri Lanka, you think about Greece, you think about some other countries. You know, it's um, it, 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 the, the the IMF may need to to take more a bigger role in trying to change the way global finance works, but I don't know if they have the will to do that. But that's a question probably for his boss mm-hmm. in Washington, not himself, to answer. Anyway, so it's uh, 9:32. Uh, if you're looking for a home that does not compromise on quality and style, Core Realty has a, the perfect home for you. Call zero two seven seven eight nine zero triple zero to book a viewing of the pristine garden homes located at Sakumano Community 14 next to Celebrity Golf Club or go online to callrealty.com for more information. And how important is your health to you? I think it goes without saying, right? How often do you visit your health facility? Well, visit Vic Dank Healthcare, a Ghana Health Service Certified Health Center that specializes in kidney stones, hepatomegaly, what is that? Hepato sounds something bloodish. Hepatomegaly. Something kidneyish. Hypertension, fatty liver treatment, and amongst others. Now, Vic Dunk Healthcare specializes in using 100% natural medicine in all his treatments. Sorry. Say again. Hepa liver. Yeah, not kidney. Liver. Oh, hip- liver. So hepatomegaly. Yeah. Liver. Something to do with. So so liver. kidney, liver, hypertension, fatty liver. Mm. Now they are on the Spintex Road behind the Standard Chartered Bank. You can visit the, them or call zero five zero two six six one three four six or zero five four nine 
Who was who are we interviewing this week where we're talking about various health conditions? There was somebody here we're talking about health, health, health. Was it the HIV? No, it wasn't HIV. We're, we're asking questions about yes, it was SNIT. Ah, yes, we're asking her the new trust horse. Yeah, whether they had you know the number of things a human being can face. Oh, I know. I mean the list mm. back, waist, neck, spine, Fem. brain, skin, lungs. Nose, eyes, eyes. hair, mm-hmm. private parts. Oh my god, it mm-hmm. was. And apparently, th- these are all areas that you're getting more up to date information, you know. And for me, I think one of the things we need to also do in Ghana is instead of just focusing on expanding hospitals, we should also make it a case that specialist treatment will be available, mm-hmm. even if it's not affordable yet, once it's available. People will find a way. So, if you have like spinal things, uh, these guys, I forget the name. So, you need cancer treatment. You need people who do the neuro neuro things. Yes. Um, the guys who are at Abokobi, what's their name? Oh. Op, op, the osteo people? No. Um, oh, there's this group at Abokobi. They do uh, orthopedic. Yeah, the orthopedic. Orthopedic people. You know, I feel we focus a lot on infrastructure, which is not bad, but you need to have specialists. So, for example, you need to create a system where some of the best doctors would want to work here with all the best facilities. So, like UGMC. UGMC is very important. Mm-hmm. So, somebody says so UGMC is expensive. But you see, having a UGMC in Accra, having one in Tamale, having one in Kumasi, having one in Takari, having one in Ho, what you've done is that if anybody has a serious condition, you can still treat them. So, it's one thing having 200 hospitals. But it's, you also need to spend money on yeah. high-level treatment. Because you know what? When people get very, very sick, we have to send them to India, mm-hmm. to Turkey, to the UK, and they pay a lot of top dollar. Okay, yes. So we have to have the balance between just expanding the basic infrastructure and also specialists like pediatrics, mm-hmm. child cancer. Yeah, like a Great Ormond Street Hospital in the UK. Gosh. Yes, yes. yes. All about... Children, children, children. The focus. The name children, is Focus. Children, focus. Yeah. Focus. Yeah. Focus. Focus. Yeah. focus. Like um, if you have um, the, uh, the the people who treated um, the guy who died, what's his name? Dr. Abd- Dr. Hadi. Your cousin's thing. Oh, yes. Kofi's... Um, yeah, what's the name Dr. of that? Abdallah. What's the name of that unit? Neuro- the neurology. neurology. Neuro- Neuroscience Center. Mm-hmm. Neuroscience Center. We need all we of need that. It. We need a lot of that. You know what, what else we need, Bernard? What do we need? On the flip side, we mm. need a big emphasis on preventive medicine. Tell me about especially that. Especially since lifestyle diseases are growing. So preventive medicine is just to catch it before it gets there. Do you understand? So preventive medicine. In, in, encouraging people to have their regular doctor visits mm-hmm. so that you can pick up pre, either precursors for certain diseases mm-hmm. or catching them at the early stages such that they can be you know, prevented from growing into something more serious. Mm. But because we're not very big on that here, a lot of times by the time people actually get to the doctor, it's because they're experiencing symptoms that you know, that proves that it's gotten to a a, a very serious level, right? Mm -hmm. So in other countries, you've got your GP, they'll even contact you and say, oh, we haven't seen you for your checkup. You haven't been to the the hospital. It's it's part and parcel of Mm -hmm. your routine. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to go for these scheduled checkups. Maybe we should preventive medicine. What can you do to prevent certain sicknesses? Exactly. So, So, well, with preventive medicine, 
so things like when you go in, they check your, your, your vitals, your, mm-hmm. your basic, you know, your, your weight, your height. So if they, if mm-hmm. you know that you're increasing in certain numbers, then they'll tell you, okay, you're at risk for such and such. Let's look at your diet, mm-hmm. things that you're eating. Let's try and fix this or that. Or you go for your eye test. They, they say, oh, okay, maybe we need to wear mm-hmm. some corrective lenses. Mm-hmm. Like there's basic things that under that category or umbrella of preventive medicine mm-hmm. can prevent, mm-hmm. as the name suggests, certain things from progressing into serious disease. But we're not big on that here. So, so we don't like going so to hospital. So if I to and do preventive check? Yes, we're, suppo- we're supposed preventive to. Check. At least every year you go in for your checkup. We're supposed to go to the dentist, what, every six months? Mm-hmm. But we normally go and we have toothache, The only thing I, I, I can say I go regular is the eye person. Oh, okay. Because because you have to change your lens. So maybe mm. they, they will send you a message. Hey, you are due for an Okay, eye. so that's good. They, they tell you, right? Yeah. They keep you up to date I with think that. they will text you or something. Yeah. But you are right. We don't, we, don't, we don't go. And We're then there's a case of eating and stuff, right? Yeah, so they, it's, it's, it helps. So the lifestyle thing. Yeah. So lifestyle, eating, rest, exercise. All of that. I think people overemphasize exercise and not emphasize rest. Rest. I so agree. I, I feel like you know, people are always on the gym, they are walking and running. A lot of my friends are doing that. I was like, Charlie, maybe the whole of the Saturday just sleep to or maybe you know, because if you if you if you sleep only five hours a day for two weeks, hmm. you're destroying yourself. Yeah. And I feel a lot of the, the people are more focused on weight loss. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't really think weight loss is such a big thing. I feel everybody's um your bone the way you are made it's different. So mm-hmm. you can't look like me. Mm-hmm. So it's not about weight loss, weight loss. It's more like making sure you are together. Yes. That's what the doctor told me uh, recently. She said, look, yeah, your like, genetics, is, you're yeah. not going to look like, like you said, like, fine. Yeah. But the important thing, like you're saying, is the numbers. Yes. What's your cholesterol looking like? Your blood yeah. sugar, your blood pressure, yeah. those things. Yeah. If they're in order, you're okay. You just yeah. have to maintain and not... Because you can be slim and, and still be, and very, still be un- very unhealthy. unhealthy. Yeah. So, and I feel that the media's depiction of good health it's, it's very so it's like hey look at this bolet guy it's forcing just, people just into certain things like, yeah the fact that he's muscular doesn't <laughs> mean that healthy. he has the right chemicals in his body mm-hmm. so and from some of the things i'm reading look me my philosophy is everything in moderation yeah. so even there are days i feel like drinking something i say no no don't drink it like maybe i want to drink tea say no 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 mm-hmm. let's go off tea for three mm-hmm. days want to drink coke mm-hmm. don't drink yeah. so it's it's just Deprive yourself of some of the things you crave because you don't want to get addicted to it. And then you need to teach yourself that you're not in control. If, if because my appetites, like I, I remember a couple of days ago, I came home for a program. I was very hungry. I was, it was very late. And I was temptation to actually eat a lot. And I was like, mm-hmm. Charlie, dude, this is not going to help you. Mm-hmm. So eat something light, sleep. Because if I ate that thing that he gave me around that 10 p.m., <laughs> you know, the whole day, bazaar. So... I, and I also think people should listen to their bodies more. I'm learning to do that. Mm-hmm. So there are days I feel I have to just not go out. Mm-hmm. And there are days I feel a slight dizziness and I say, I need to eat better. So I'll just be say, no, Charlie, I need to eat better because the body sends you the slight hint that yeah. something is not right. But it's like, oh, let me ignore it. Hmm. Then before you that, know... Then it becomes uh-huh. it's true. And I so, think that's a good point you make. People yeah. need to pay attention more to yeah. their bodies because you will get signals you notice yeah. maybe a sudden dip in energy yes. the dizzy spells become yes. a bit more rampant yes. You, yes. You, ju- you can just tell something yeah. is not sitting right yeah. and, and like, maybe we should get doctors to talk more about that because mm-hmm. a lot of time when we bring medical people on air treatment 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 yes. maybe one is different okay you know what give me five signs that a stroke 
may be a possibility. Five signs that hypertension could happen. Five signs that show you need more energy. You need mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. glucose. Five signs that you have too much sugar in your body. Five signs that you you are... Do you understand? Yeah. Five simple things. Yeah. Simple things. Because usually... And I'm told... I think there was this guy... I was listening on the BBC who said... One of the reasons why he's still alive is that... Of course, Britain has a very good medical system. Mm-hmm. But he had a stroke. But he recovered. But I think it didn't degenerate quickly because the people around him knew what to do. Mm-hmm. I think it's Andromar or something. Mm-hmm. So he had a stroke. Mm-hmm. He's still coming on air. But, and if that had happened in a place where people didn't know what to do and there wasn't enough help, he would probably have deteriorated badly and yeah. in a year or two he would have died. So I, I really think uh, we should get more preventive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Medicine. medicine. Yeah. And I think we need to value qualified yeah. dietitians and nutritionists more because food mm. is at the root of mm. most I think ninety mm. percent of our health yeah. issues can be traced to something food something we eat. Well, and we the, the eat. commercial so we need the, the commercial interest in selling food don't always tell you the truth. Yeah. So I always go try and go natural. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a very interesting philosophy with hair cream. Mm. And I think it was Bryce Simmons who said this to me. He said, his basic understanding of what you put on your body is that if you can't go into your mouth, it doesn't have to <laughs> go on your, skin. on your skin. Because your skin will also absorb it. So I would rather use cocoa butter or share butter, share butter or thing. something mm. than some other thing. Mm. You know, I went to the wise. <laughs> as, as my one of my mentors say, may the Lord give you understanding. Uh, what's the name of the Coco Diary? Coco Diary. Coco Diary. Look, it's 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 look, it's everything free. Dairy free, lactose free, cholesterol free, GMO free, soya free, allergen free, gluten free, sugar free, hundred percent vegan, and it goes with everything, everything, everything. Smoothie, shake, cereals, tea, coffee. Everything you can think of is enriched with nine key vitamins and minerals, which boost daily immune system. And it's good for sport people, lactating and pregnant women, toddlers and the elderly. If you want mm. to get a good supply of cocoa milk, as Bernard says. Uh, remember, it's approved by the Vegan Society, UK and FDA. Find that at all Melcom shops, NS Chemist shops, Bachelor Total and all supermarkets. For inquiries, call 0274-440-180 or visit their Facebook page, Cocoa Dairy Free GH. Shop, shop, shop. An electricity company of Ghana is saying that they've extended that deadline to the 20th. After uh, 20th, yeah. no more, you know, they won't give any leeway. Please, if your meter is not working, mm-hmm. if you are not paying bills, if you can't buy credit or you've done a bypass or illegal connection, you have between now and the 20th of July to sort those issues out. After that, all those who fall foul of the law will be punished 
and their names will be published widely. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Now, talking about good health, deworming is equally important. Mm. Mm. All the things we'll be eating and all of that. Starwin P, uh, uh, Danex Icing Starwin PLC is inviting all of us to be part of the national deworming campaign this and every quarter. Deworm with Alazor 400 milligram or Menazor 500 milligram to reduce the prevalence of worm infestations in the body. You can call or WhatsApp the Danex on 059-250-4500 to place your orders for dewormers and they'll be delivered straight to you. National Deworming Campaign and Nation Dewormed. Danex Eighteen Star in PLC Caring for Life. Mm-hmm. And the goodness of tea coffee guy soaking semashki can be enhanced with a tin of creamy plus evaporated milk it has all the essential vitamins got vegetable fat and that makes it gentler on the stomach and that's very good trust me i know mm-hmm. you can jazz up your nightcap with the with the creamy taste of creamy plus evaporated milk you can find uh creamy plus to buy bachelor total other supermarkets girl shops and all of the shops in your neighborhood but if you want to buy in large quantities you can call us from distributors at madina rates junction on zero five zero one six eight two five two two, or Grace has found us mm-hmm. at Akoko Photo in Dansuman on zero two four five one six two seven four seven. And you can reserve a Dodoa Hills premium plot located at Dodoa near the Dodoa Fire Service today and enjoy secured gated community living with swag. It's got electricity, shopping center, gym and fitness center, swimming pool, tarred road network, and so much more. Just pay a 5,000 Ghana cities deposit and reserve your Dodoa Hills plot and spread the balance within one year to own your premium plot today. You can also pay 5% of the total amount to reserve houses located at North Legon and then spread the balance within three years. Call 05 Four zero six three three five six nine, or go to com for further details. And when you buy anything, it should be the very best. Diamond 42.5 R-grade cement is the highest quality cement on the Ghanaian market. Diamond cement has been putting smiles on the faces of homeowners, homeowners, block makers, and supported numerous construction projects with their high quality brand. It's rated green by the Environmental Protection Agency. And now they have the affordable 32.5 R-grade as well. Call 0244-313-368. And please deal with the company directly. Don't buy through middlemen, okay? Diamond cement, still as hard as a diamond. We'll be right back with more. Stay with us. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Charlie, that be the sound you hear when things make hot. I'm sure this is not battery, just cash flow. Lajano D. It is safe to say we are all facing challenging times. We are all wondering how we are going to lighten our financial burdens. No work cool, but don't worry. With a little help from your trusted bank, Societe General Ghana, the Biara Bay Fine. Societe General Ghana is making all its customers happy with a big loans promo. In fact, SG Ghana customers and even non-customers who are on the controller and accountant general payroll can enjoy. Enjoy access to our amazing discounted loans. Don't waste time. Get your loan today. Step into a branch or call 0302-214-314 to get the ball rolling. Terms and conditions apply. Remember, promotion ends on 24th June 2022. Society General Ghana. The future is you. Don't you worry. 
bet gives you the chance to be a winner. What a chance to own the game. Seize that opportunity to take faith into your own hands. All it takes is one crazy decision to change the game. Are you ready to win and set the stage for your success? This is how winners are made. Place your bet to 1xbet.com.g. Use promo code BEST. Be the lucky winner. 1xbet. Bet for every taste. Gambling can be addictive. Bet responsibly. Not for person under 18 years. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the Gaming Commission. This is the, the, the City Breakfast Show. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Baby, I'll be here. my shoes last night I don't know where I put my keys I was tired and fell asleep beneath an oak tree I've been my mother's proud of me from each scar upon my knuckle and each craze upon my knee and all I know is I got a cab and then threw up upon his car seat he kicked me out and then I walked in the rain I tell myself in every told me, always say what's on your mind, and I am only, being honest with you, I, I get lonely, and made mistakes from time to time, said no man call you, baby I beg you, yeah. And less and mostly things that I regret In my phone are several texts From girls I've never met And in the pocket of my jeans There are only coins and broken dreams My heart is breaking at the seams And I'm coming apart now Now things are looking up I'll find my shoes right next to the oak tree And I'll get a bus straight into town And spend the afternoon looking around For the things that I left on the ground And say you with me tomorrow's a brand new day Someone told all right, eight minutes to ten. We'll bring a few quick comments to you. It's all, all kinds of things. You know, today we're over ambitious. I thought we'd discuss a bit of the economy and then we'd move to. <laughs> but you did discuss a lot of the economy. Yeah, I thought. I thought something over. I thought I'd do a bit and then do schools and things. But yeah. Actually, I don't know. But the schools we've done quite a bit, and we'll yeah. stay on that case because yeah. um, the situation looks like it's not getting any better. The ministry keeps promising, but now they've also said they need money. Yes, uh, and, buffer stock. Yes, and now we know the money is... We don't know whether they will find the money. So and The amount of money they need. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. They, 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 they need to pay $400 million, but they're saying they need $100 million, at least serious. to get things started. So we'll keep our eyes, we'll keep our, our eyes on it and see where it goes. But yeah, yeah, a few messages before mm-hmm. we wrap up. Yeah. Emmanuel Dorona Okla says, Bernard, listening carefully to the discussion with the IMF rep has just confirmed my conviction that if we change the structure of our economy and reduce imports by 70%, especially on rice, wheat, and sugar, Ghana will not need an IMF bailout. Dr. Brown's points are very solid, provided the government will work with them. Mm-hmm. Some from Dan Suman, um, he says, the IMF economists are like coffin sellers. <laughs> they don't wish you death, mm-hmm. but when you die, it's to their benefits. They will definitely sell you one of their best coffins, which they know perfectly well that is of no value. Okay. He says Ghana is about to sign on a program that won't work. Hmm. Ah. This one says, Bernard, you see why Guta is such a big problem in this what country? Have they done? Uh-huh, the uh-huh, issue really. is simple. It says the government is very reliant on revenue from imports at the port. 
This is what makes the government always succumb to the demands of Guta as compared to AGI. In my opinion, AGI has failed to demonstrate that they can pay enough taxes if supported to pursue import substitution. The other issue is the West will not support an industrialization drive because they need our raw materials to feed their industries and economies. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, okay. Okay. He sent another message there. And then I have people reacting to the name you mentioned, Hima, something, something. Which name? Ah, the, no, no. the sickness. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Hima, something. Okukwiza, who knows what it is? Yeah, it's something to do with the liver. Mm. It's an enlarged liver, actually. Okay. <clears throat> so it's an enlarged liver. So All right. That's, that's what. Okay. Okay, still on the show this morning. Watch out for more information on the school situation. Eastern Region Charles has already asked for the closure of schools. And I wouldn't be surprised if other regions join if things yeah. don't change quickly. But quick comment on the HMS. 19 ministers. How many ministers do they have? Like one million. No, no, no. He's, he's talking about ministers and deputies. Yeah. He says basically capital cabinet. That's what he's saying, basically. Because the ones that cabinets are the ones who run the country. And then you have junior ministers who are like... No, um, just finish it at cabinet and you're done. Yeah, I agree with him. But has he been telling them? But you know, you know, do you know that if they did that, it will provide such instant relief for the economy. Mm. It will even make the IMF negotiation easier. It's like, <laughs> you know, before we even come to the meeting, we have, you know, it's like, it's like Zacchaeus. He said, before you even talk half of my goods I'll give to the poor. <laughs> and if I've taken anything from somebody... You know, he, when he met Christ, he didn't even let the, the man talk. So like we say, uh, IMF, before you say anything, mm-hmm. we are dividing our ministers into two. Half of them are going home. Imagine what the IMF would say. say, oh, wow. We'll do a program next week. This is too quick. <laughs> no, honestly, I think Jay Mensah should be given... He's been very bold to say this because he's a minister. Uh-huh. And his ministry is not that important, if you ask me. Mm. And he's <laughs> no, so he he probably realizes that he could. He be, hasn't done anything. No, no, no. He could be dispensed of very easily, and he still went. And the system will run. Yeah, for for me, I think he's he's being honest. Yeah. If only people would take this. You no, know, he's actually helped. This is a minister for parliamentary affairs. He sits between parliament and executive, and he's saying that reduce ministers to nineteen, in a government which in their last term had one hundred and thirty ministers. Mm-hmm. I hope people don't start insulting him. Oh. He's opening up a very big conversation. We have to agree. I, I think he's done a great job. You should listen to the full thing. Oh, I did. He spent his time explaining, and he actually believes what he's saying. Mm. So let's hope. Like, they also said, "What did he? Kanji not needing a vice president." Did he say that? I, I've seen I quotes. Mean, actually I didn't hear that. That we don't need a vice president. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but you talked about the excessive appointing powers vested in the president. But that's true. Do you know the president can appoint up to 6,000 individuals? Yeah. <laughs> including the spokesperson of Ghana Gas. Like, I, 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 why? Why? No, no, no. Why should the spokesperson of Ghana Gas be appointed by the president? I know. See, I mean, so that, has, doesn't he have more important things to do? 6,000. And see, I'm, I'm talking get. about the constitution. How do you leave the spokesperson of a company like Ghana Gas to be appointed by the president? <laughs> I mean, the president has more important things to do. Oh, doesn't he? Maybe doesn't. No, it's, and it's, it's, I'm not talking about this president. I'm talking about the creation of whatever system has allowed this to happen. Mm. 
Ghana gas. The part about the vice president, this is what he actually said. Yeah. He said he doesn't know why, if the president is out of town, the vice president should be mandated to act as president. He says, ah, is it that the president can't perform his duties from wherever he is? So why is he? he says it's outdated. It's yeah, an outdated because the time the constitution was sure. written, so he thinks, they didn't have internet. Uh-huh. So, he so thinks if it's the president is not in town, you need somebody here to take the decisions. Yeah, but, but now times have changed. So he says it's an outdated provision. No, but I also feel there's a bit of... You know, when you are, you can be acting on behalf of Ghana abroad, mm-hmm. but then there the are capacity. things that have to be done here. So let's assume you're having a meeting with the UN for us officially, mm-hmm. but there are some decisions that have been taken here that practically means that you can't be here. So, I, I, I don't think that's the main problem. The problem is that 17 minutes. This, this is not necessary. This is unnecessary. This vice president, will it change the price of bread? The issue is the 19. So let's not obfuscate the issues. The real issue is the 19 versus the 100 ministers. Not this. When a vice president acts or somebody acts, it's, it's not really the point. Do you get me? So let's not confuse the issue. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm looking at him with my left eye. But before, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't seem. You don't think that for the leader of government business in parliament to say that the, the government needs to cut down its ministers to 19 in a very difficult time for the government. I don't think it's a significant thing to say, very brave thing to say. He had the paper to deliver, he delivered it. Are you serious? Oh, I'm telling you. What well, you're saying that, then that means that you don't you don't trust in the system to carry the information and discuss it. I I believe in principle, which is what, in doing that. Why did he accept the job? Ah, but he's not the one counting the ministers. No, that's the principle. What he de- the paper he delivered is based on what? Is based His beliefs on what a political system should be. Yes, those are the things he believes we should abide by. When did he start getting those beliefs? So you think that he the best way to show this to say. I decline to be a minister. Back then, yes. And keep at it. You see, it's the lack of principle in our politics that is our problem. I, I, I get your point, but I don't think you can stretch to say it's lack of principle. Oh, we, it is. But it is. You that, see, that, that, let me tell you something. That he should, should have resigned or declined the position. Bernard, it is a massive problem. There was a time, I remember, we interviewed Papa Kusindu. He visited mm-hmm. us in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. I asked him a question. Mm-hmm. He refused to answer the question. I asked him, where did the change from being a CPP person to an MPP coming, that change in ideology. When did it happen? He looked at me for like five minutes. Okay, let's okay. So your, your argument is that when you make a speech like that, it should be backed by the, the, it should be the life you've lived. Exactly. So that you 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 don't even need to say that. Oh, let's reduce. It. You can say, look at me. I was appointed as the thirty fifth minister, and I said to Nanado, I don't need it. I want to be MP, and I want to help parliamentary business. Yeah. So based on my example. I think the president should cut down his ministers. That would be stronger. Yeah, you are part of the 120 ministers telling us we don't need ministers. Okay. He didn't say we don't need ministers. He so says we should do 19. Who should we cut? It starts with him. <laughs> so why did he take that job? But isn't a man allowed to have a change of mind? He is. For him. He is. Okay. Now, so you are, not, you are cynical. I said I'm looking at him with my left eye. Can we please say a happy birthday to the MD of Cowbank, Philip Uredu, number one change champion. This is all from his Cowbank family and his family. They said he deserves every great thing and they stand behind him and may God answer all of his prayers. Please. Wow. Happy birthday, Philip Uredu, Cowbank Philip, MD. happy birthday. God bless you. <laughs> Charlie, the guy shocked me. Anyway, so thank you.